of every day, I drive through the city of Charleston and I cross the bridge that takes me home. I feel the words building inside me. I can't stop them or tell you why I say them. But as I reach the top of the bridge, these words come to me in a whisper. I say these words as a prayer, as regret, as praise. I say, podcast, podcast. It's hard to layer the Southern onto it. Yeah, you're, you know, no one can do it but him because he's, he's one in a million, this one in a billion. The exact same problem I had on Lorenzo's oil is I, that was his normal speaking voice. I'm not sure what the issue is there. I think I can have do it. Have you seen Lorenzo's oil? No, I have not. Should I have? I, I went down the rabbit hole prepping for this. I didn't I, go that far. I think so. I mean, it's a, I would say it is a genuinely great movie. Yes. I actually really like Lorenzo's oil. But also in the annals of Nolte voices, it's number one in craziness. This is the thing. Like, I, 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 can, I can do a Hulk-style, Warrior-style, late-stage Nolte, <laughs> right? I was trying to do it for Forky when we watched this movie. Like, she was like, tell her where this she was her father, Hulk. You know, because I was giving her the whole spiel of, like, he, this was, you know, he's people's sexiest man alive. You know, this, this is, is when his he's, like, a masculine. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, really? Like, you know. And I'm like, and she's like, I know him. Who is he? And I'm like, well, you've like seen mug, Hulk, right? Seen, yeah. yeah. You've yeah. seen his mugshot, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She'd seen the, but you know, I was, it's hard. And to, Hulk is like two hours of that mugshot in sure motion. Is. That's why he looked like <laughs> But that. this is the thing. It's like, it's easier to do older Nolte than younger Nolte, right? I was, as I was trying to warm up, I was like, how do I remove like 10, 15 years off of my Nolte impression? And then when you try to lay on the Southern or the Italian, it yeah. completely falls apart. So in Lorenzo's oil, he's playing an Italian man. And he's he going does like have that vibe, doesn't he? Full Mario. Yes. <laughs> and it's it doesn't <laughs> how do I save my daughter? But like I can't do it. I can't you even can't begin do to it. do it. Because it sounds like it's two separate audio tracks, each one coming out of one speaker. Mm -hmm. Can I say something? How could he possibly have both of those voices at I the same time? I want to propose a concept. It's other Nick Norty. No, what? I'm not that. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. No, no. Okay, that's the thing that's getting it's there. A little better. It's just but you're, you're still doing slightly older, right? This you is know, the problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We need a Hall of Fame mm. for people who we've covered on this show. Sure. And I think Nolte is first ballot because we have covered so many diverse and interesting performances from him. Okay. That really represent what a great actor he is and what a versatile actor he is. Yeah. That that Even like check meta Twitter account that. Every episode posts how right. many. We need them to start cultivating who a the candidates are. Hall of Fame. Yes. This, Lorenzo's Oil, uh -huh. I'll Do Anything. Uh -huh. Hulk. One of the, uh, Hulk. We are two versions of I'll Do Anything. Two versions of I'll Do Anything. No. Hulk. Is there anything else? That might be all of them. But that's, what a crazy bunch that's of movies for us to just have covered. He's yes. got plenty of other good performances. Yes. So the Hall of Fame is for people who've not just been great, but have been great in movies be you guys in, have covered. In our personal podcast mm -hmm. canon. Right. Right? Like guys who keep popping up. Yes. Like we'll do that thing where we're like, huh, weird. Like we've only covered, you know, this actor once or twice, but we've right. covered this guy weirdly like six times. And yep. Nolte's really becoming that for us. Well, it's just like th those four performances. Who doesn't want to chip at that block of marble, right? <laughs> Fascinating. We also just, we love Barbara talking did. about him. Barbara did. Barbara did. She chipped that block of marble. That's yeah. the whole point of the movie. We're going to talk about it. It is just so fascinating that this movie comes out in 1991, end of 91. Oh, yeah. Cape Fear comes out a month before this. 
Also Southern. Doing also a Southern. Doing a whole different thing, I would argue. Yes. Yeah, he's doing a different thing. He's pretty frustrated in that movie, though. He's, he definitely why, is. Why? What's frustrating old, him in that yeah, movie? I can't grumpy. really figure out why. Yeah. A couple <laughs> things. Things aren't going great. Kind of grinding his gears. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Cape Fear's uh, uh, November 1991, yeah. huge ass hit. Big hit. Prince of Tides, December 1991, big ass hit. Yes, very solid hit for a two-hour, 20-minute yes. therapy movie. But one of the yes. 20 highest-grossing yeah. films of yeah. that year. Both two hits. Right. February 19, or 1992, he gets his first Oscar nomination. Correct. March 1992, he's named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And, and let's not forget, uh, then December, the oil flows. He strikes oil. Wow. Lorenzo's oil. That's, that's a 94, 92. That's not later 92. Yeah. But I'm just, just talking. Say, like, calendar months. year. No, but him. I'm saying in this three yes. month period. Very compressed. And he is at right. this point 51 years old. Uh, Okay. Uh, he's 25 uh, yeah. years into his leading man he's career. He's like 50 years old. He was yeah. born in 41. Yeah. 50 so he's, years he's 50 old. years old. He's like the same age, I think. He's yes. the same age as my dad. Like almost oh, exactly. There you go. But he's like cresting at this moment. He, I mean, he is, I, you know, it's funny because I do think, so is this his, okay, this is to borrow the rewatchables. Sure. Is this his Apex Mountain? Is yes. that what you're arguing? Yeah. Oh, yes. It's yeah. not 48 hours just because that no. movie was so seismic? No, because Eddie blows him off the screen. Uh, uh, wait, uh, wait, 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 no, no, no. Eddie makes himself a star. Yes. Nick Nolte does not get blown off of screens. No. He does not. Okay. You cannot you're, blow you're right. Nick you're Nolte right. off you're the right. screen. You're right. And he is amazing in 48 hours. No, I agree with you. Yes, I have to draw the line. I agree with you. But, but Eddie, then it's like his next few years is sort of like, what are we oh, doing with this, this guy? This is my point, though. But like yeah. Rich Man, Poor Man is 76. So handsome in that. So there's 25 years between Rich Man, Poor Man, which is when he becomes like a leading man, right? Yeah. He's yeah, starring yeah. in movies yeah, by the yeah. end of the 70s. Rich Man, Poor Man is definitely like, okay, what do we do with this guy? Right. Like, so there's yeah. 25 years between that and Prince of Tides. What if it was a rich man and a poor man? I think this has to be his apex mountain. And then right after this, it's sort of like, congratulations, Nick Nolte. You're at the absolute A-list of leading men. Yeah. And then he starts to make some weird-ass choices. Well, he well, tried to do anything. And he tried. He loved trouble. He promised he would do anything, and I he mean, did. I'll do anything, James L. Brooks... It makes sense to take on a project by that man. Absolutely. He was, he was you know, bulletproof at that I think that we point. both have the same thought, which is what doesn't make sense is that Brooks wanted him for that role. But that's what I love about Nolte is directors keep thinking like, there's no one quite like this guy. Well, which you can't argue with that. Exactly. Katie, do you like Nick Nolte? I do like Nick Nolte. I did watch Cape Fear uh, in, like uh, in around Katie. the same time as, watch, as watching well, this Well, because you're also preparing for a Scorsese I'm watching some Scorsese, so I rewatch Cape Fear. I yeah. have a lot of Southern accent notes. I know we're going to take some time yeah, we to get can. into I'm a that. Lawyer, um, but I think Nick Nolte is great in this yeah. bonkers movie. No, he, he, a, a bonkers movie. We have to get this out <laughs> the of Prince the way. Really Prince of Tides is a bonkers It's a little bonkers. Movie. I think his performance in it is sensational. I agree. Yeah. We, we're going to talk about like, it. Undeniable. He is selling crazy, crazy stuff that crazy no stuff. human being should be doing or saying. No. And but you're also, like, yeah, great. Like anytime this movie is swerving into you being like, I give up. I cannot keep track of this thing. He right. kind of is pulling you back. He's grabbing he you by the He calls someone a possum breath cocksucker yes. in this movie. Yes. Yeah. And you he want to Make out with him? Yes. Yeah, well, of course he deserved it. I don't know why he's a possum breath, though. Is that, because like, that's what Southerners those, say, obviously. I know, but like those, oh, those European violinists always so eating possum. Well, he was taking bites of possum between sucking cocks. What do you mean? I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. Possum breath cocksucker. Possum breath cocksucker. That was good. I'm going to throw your fiddle off a balcony. Both of you, that was good. 
<laughs> he does call it a fiddle like does. three or four times. Because right? he's 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 mixing in that homie char. I got you know? a pricey fiddle here in my hands. I'm gonna play foosball with it. I mean, if somebody looked you in the eye and played Dixie while like smiling smugly at you, you'd throw that shit off the you balcony would. too. You, you would. don't have to be from the south. And you would that's... accuse them of being a possum <laughs> red cock. <cocksucker. laughs> but again, like, it, well, look, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting too riled up too early. I mean, is that in the book? Yes, that's all. Yeah, so that's I, the, I, I the possum okay. breath. Yeah, I reread the book uh, well, well, for this too. You. So I got a lot. Yeah, okay, I got a lot yeah, yeah. to get into. But I was because I was just wondering if, yeah, because that's oh, wait, such possum an insane. Breath cocksucker no, in the book? no, the violin playing. No, the just violin stuff's definitely insane in thing it. to do. It's, but, well, that's what he does. Yep. Yeah. Listen, this is blank check with violin Griffin burn. and David. Uh huh. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Getting over a head cold. As is David. Some I'm for me, more chesty for me. Barely heady. You know what? You know what? You're right. Mine's more chest as well. Mine's more chest. Yeah. This is less like a, a sinal congestion thing, yeah. which it usually is for me. Yeah. Uh, the seasons are changing. Mm. The tides of New York City are shifting. There are tides here. There yeah. are. Absolutely. Tom Wingo Luke's wouldn't believe tides. you, but they're here. He would. I, I don't think the weather ever shines. <laughs> Too fruity for me. He likes New York. He loves New York. He falls in love with it. Yeah. Falls in love with Soho. We'll yeah. talk about it. Falls in love with There's so much to talk about with this movie. It's just funnier to pretend... All of these lines are delivered the with modern day Nick Nolte voice. Well, I don't know what modern day Nick Nolte is. I'll tell you what. is 20 years you, you old. Can't, you yeah, can't I'll tell you what modern day Nick Nolte sounds like. I mean, the Mandalorian? Is that the last no, time? No, he's a poker face. Yeah, he's incredible oh, in poker. He's yeah, great and, in that episode. And, and of poker he was face. definitely very easy to understand <laughs> in that one. That man made my puppets poker face. Another normal guy from Nick Nolte. <laughs> I just want to do my go motion in my garage. Oh, God, Leon, like sounding like the voice of an angel compared to him. Not <laughs> a hint of sandpaper. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, and sometimes about Nick Nolte. Uh, it's about, thing. but, but primarily it's about directors who are, uh, experienced massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. This is a mini series on the films of Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. It is called Podcastle. <laughs> of course. Sorry, I'm hearing it for the first what time. Else would it be called? I'm so happy. Normal. What else would it be called? <laughs> it could be called something like the Prince of Podcasts or whatever, but we that's that. boring. Yeah. Uh, but today we are talking about The Prince of Tides, a bonkers movie. Big hit. Big her second hit. film as a director. Yes. Our third episode, but her second film. Yes. Two of three. Yes. A, a perfect little trilogy. Yep. Numero dos. Yeah. yeah. In the insane movie trilogy. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, Van Sant's like, I have my death trilogy. Barbara's like, I have my insane movie trilogy. They're all crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw out a thing uh, in just a second. After I introduce our guest, the the best, one of the first guests ever. True. The history yeah. of Blank Check. Um, from Little Goldman. And a South Carolinan. And a South Carolinan. Well, I was oh. going to get to that. Oh, we're getting breath. there. Don't worry about it. I was going to get to that. From Vanity Fair, Katie Rich. Hi. Our dear friend. We haven't done this in person in <gasps> four since yes. before the pandemic. What's this yes. is the really last exciting. Time? In person, I think it was collateral. Oh, yeah. I think that's right. I think that was literally in 2017. I changed it to a party for Graydon Carter's retirement party. Oh, that's when God. that was. Was that 2017? I think it was. Jesus. That is 2019. 2019. It's 2019. Okay. Because okay. you were in town. Yeah. Oh, we're going we're gonna to look up the dates. I was in town. And then I did Zoom ones for. Seattle. So it was in Seattle and Seattle. Death by Concert. Yes. 
And Starman, my friend. And Starman. And Starman. God, that was fun. Yes. And of course, we had a voicemail from you and still oh, record holder, youngest guest ever on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie, your son Charlie, who did not see Prince of Ties, his top ten list. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't seen not yet. You know his South Carolina heritage. We're gonna have to get to what that later would on. Have happened if you'd sat him down and put this? He on? He would have been incredibly bored. Yes, like really. But like bored. I guess, like how quickly does he tap out? Um, for movies at home, pretty quickly because he's like, oh, I could be playing Switch right now. Like in a theater, mm, like tough. you're gonna get a longer runway, but at home, sure. like you know, the options are limitless. I mean, this movie starts out with kids playing. It does. The beach. He might like the beginning. The beach. Yeah. yeah. The the marshes of the Carolinas. Has he ever we're familiar been to the with Sea Islands. Oh yeah, we've spent we've spent time on the coast of South Carolina in so his youth. Maybe he'd be like, "This is great." Yeah, I and love then it. he's gonna be like, oh, "So now there's a therapist's oh, office." I want to turn him off with a Jew. Maybe we should watch Yentl. Maybe that'll be the I first. I need you rising. to help me. Get your sister out of her catatonia by sharing stories of your youth with me, and then we'll fall in love. That's the premise. Yeah. That's the plot. That's the pitch in the room. I'm yeah. no psychiatrist, but I think that is standard practice of yeah. how you work with your your patients. Ah, my patient's in a coma. Get the brother. <laughs> he'll, he'll fill in the gap. <laughs> Should I see him every single day? Yeah, yeah. probably fuck him and bring him to every dinner party. Should I get Good my teenage son things. involved yeah, for some reason? Yeah, best friend, fuck buddy, <laughs> son's football coach. I somehow always forget, just having just seen this movie again, the son, the football player. Jason Gould, there looking not like a teenager. I mean, that... What do you mean? <laughs> totally looked like at 15 years old clearly <laughs> sorry that subplot is so layered i love it i, I want to get subplot. into it yeah. but this is the second jason gould movie we've covered on the podcast talking about people in the hall of fame uh because he's in of course say say anything. anything he's the drunk friend he's, in the back um, of the car uh dude like keys you have to chill like whatever yes. that is it's really funny but that is how many years before this movie seven uh, that's 1982 uh no, sorry 89 what am i talking about oh, oh, so it's only oh, two so years okay yeah, okay okay i take it back two years i take it back that's less egregious than i thought but it was. he's yeah. got the um the kind of crazy hair flock of seagulls kind yeah, of hair. Flock, flock yeah. Of yeah yeah somewhere between robert smith and flock of seagulls yeah I mean, he's not. Uh, he looks good. Look, with those does. parents, of course he looks good. I yeah. think Jason Gould is handsome and talented. Yeah. And he plays the violin at the end. I assume that was a little bit him. Yeah, I wondered that. He's in Grand Central, it's an obvious place to play the violin. It's yeah. just going to bounce off all of the walls. He's watching emotional violin playing when you're, you know, getting on your, <laughs> your Metro North train. Oh, of course. Yeah, the gay son of Barbara Streisand is playing the violin for Nick Nolte, his football coach right now. I, anyway, track 18. Yeah, let me get on here. <laughs> so this is the thing I kept thinking while watching yep. this movie. Is there like any analog for this today? Is there like any film that well, we yeah. have? I mean, it's boring. It'd be TV. Because this is going to be TV, right? Apple TV's making Tate this again. Taylor's remaking are this Are they Apple though? TV. I saw that headline. And I mean, it was, came out like 2021. A lot of these yeah. projects are, right, are dying on the vine. I mean, uh, but yes, okay. The is there a is... filmed version of this that would exist today? I'm not even saying that. I'm okay. saying no. I mean, like, like this, like a sort of two hour plus emotional, like adult romance, right? But it's a drama. Yes, like a little funny, but largely drama. Katie and deals with I... like hot button stuff. Like, I think if this book gets adapted today, they're like, you do the like kind of kitchen sink bare knuckle like really yeah. raw version of this there's no version of going like we have to find a way to make this material like mall friendly mm -hmm. you yeah. know that so. gambit of like we're just talking about missing the paperback 
movie, you know. I, I, I've been watching have... a lot of legal thrillers recently. I've been watching a lot of Grisham movies, and it's that same thing where you're like, it's wild that this was viewed as like the premier slice of like adult popcorn franchise filmmaking. It's a three quarter movie. Well, what, what, what? Is where the crawdads sing, not the that's a murder mystery. I, so, so the genre twists or what the, something make like all where the, the crawdads sing is close-ish, but like it's, th that's a murder thing. It's like, the closest equivalent, and I still think there's like that movie is doing this weird sort of like indie film cosplay, if you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, where it even have though, the studio gloss thing, right? Where it's like we need to make this feel a little gritty, and that thing did well. So, yeah. It did like, very well. It's obviously a sign of. You know, let's come on, Hollywood. Come it was on. not critically respected. Yeah. Well, it was bad. I mean, look, they're not all good. <laughs> it made one mistake. <laughs> it wasn't well made. Right. Well, those crawdads didn't sing loud enough for you to yeah. hear them. So, no, but I think that's singing. like, that's kind of the equivalent. But it's, I, look, for better or for worse, because we've also, we've been, uh, uh, we're, we're recording this because you were in town, uh, overlapping a little bit with our Fincher records. Mm -hmm. So we're still in that zone and we've been doing the Fincher airport paperback You're in the gone girl dragon tattoo right. era okay right where his mm -hmm. whole thing is like i'm not gonna fucking clean these up at all mm -hmm. the fact that this book's a bestseller means that i get to put this on the screen and you're not gonna question it yeah whereas like streisand is doing this fascinating like how do you make this work in a hollywood movie yeah and she's Game. taking a book that is massive and has so much weirder stuff than what you see in the movie i yes, cannot express right. to you how weird the book is it's i also, hope you try it's also quite long right? it's I mean, very it's, long it's a, it's and it's a, got it's a lot a of like southern kookiness in it that you would think of like fried green tomatoes mm -hmm. or like right at the same time which right the... at the same time that like there's just not time for so she kind of reframes it as being this romance which is a big part of the book but it's almost like the frame story for all the like juicy southern melodrama and she's like right. no no no, no. barbara streisand this movie's about me. Right. So. I've never had fried green tomatoes. Oh, they're amazing. Phenomenal. They You've never great. had them? Great. I, I have I've only been to the South like a few times in my life. I don't know. Come on, come back and we'll there, fix that, it. And that's a cuisine that didn't cross the ocean. There's no Southern food in like Europe. It doesn't exist. Don't you look at me. There's fried chicken. There's fried chicken, but that's that's a cuisine that exists in yeah. a lot of places in the world. Sure. Lots yes, of people have had the concept of breading yeah. chicken and dumping it in oil. Good concept, to be clear. You know, thumbs up. KFC, though. I've heard, I've heard of them. Yes, yeah, yeah. KFC does exist in the UK. But like, you yeah. can't. Yes, I know, but you can't get like a chicken fried steak. You can't get fried. You do can't they, get hush puppies. In the you know? UK, do they make him Lord Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> King Sanders, Lieutenant has, Sanders, yeah. I think is where you go. Lieutenant Sanders. <laughs> I just uh, like the idea of KFC, having to reframe Colonel and Sanders. Also like Baron Sanders. Baron Sanders. <laughs> KFC exists, but, and correct me, you know, again, it's been Sanders. 15 years, but like, I don't know that any other chains like that, like Popeyes or any, have ever made the hmm. pro Now, Now maybe they're trying. Possibly. Chick fil A, yeah. et cetera. I sure. don't know. Sure. They don't have fried green tomatoes at any of those places, so you got to come. I'm talking about real. Have you had pimento know, cheese? Fucking, huh? Have you had pimento cheese? I mean, I have had pimento cheese. Okay. Yes, it's yes. pimento cheese and fried green tomato on a sandwich Sounds is where it really gets good. So, yeah. But I ain't had no pimento cheese in the, the UK, <laughs> no, 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 my friend. It would probably taste terrible. I don't think yeah. they would do a very good job of it. <laughs> like Southern food and Mexican food, I think England has largely been like, we, we would just mess that up. We don't, <laughs> we don't, don't want need us to doing take a stab at this. Um, I, I guess yeah. this is the bigger part of like, right, in, in the in the 90s, adapting any bestseller book is still a pretty safe bet, right? Yeah. Like that holds cultural sway. You write a hit book, 
studios will be interested. Right. Yeah. Your advertising budget's basically covered already. Yeah. And you can attract top talent to do it. And you do it at the highest levels of studio filmmaking. And there was always this thing. I just remember like a piece I read in Mad Magazine probably in the mid-90s that like stuck with me. Right. Because you like, read Mad Magazine for the articles. I did. I'd rip out the centerfold. <laughs> Aragonius, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff was smut. <laughs> what Aragonius was doing in the margins Disgusting. was smut. Uh, you read a piece in Mad Magazine. I'm just imagining like eight-year-old Griffin, you know, like sitting in an armchair. Being like, hmm. I the Tide sounds pretty yeah, With a little bubble pipe. <laughs> right. No, there was a Mad Magazine piece that always stuck with me that was like movies versus reality. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it was like a side-by-side -side thing. And it was basically a piece on like the way 90s Hollywood films would take true life stories and clean them up. Sure. Or like kind of naughty novels and streamline them and take out the thorny parts. And there was that kind of thing where it's like, well, you're going to make this into a big Hollywood film, but obviously you can't put that in there. And this mm -hmm. character can't do that. And that character has to be removed entirely. Right. And Prince of Tides is one of those things where you're just like, well, you kind of can't get around what the movie's about. <laughs> no, I you, guess. You can't rewrite it entirely. You can like shift focuses. Yeah. Which yeah, it's do. all leading up to the worst thing that you can imagine happening to a what? family, which they show so much more of than right. I remember. And remembered. she's like trying to fight to figure out the tone that can support needing to stare that directly in the eye. Yeah. But I mean, they could have changed or sanitized or sort of toned down that trauma, I guess. It probably wouldn't have gone well. Well, it's, no. it, that specific traumatic scene, we might get to it. It is, there's one dramatic change from oh, the book. Is, see, um, dramatic change. That we can get to when we get um, to that scene. But, but like, yeah. you know, you've got the abusive father and this is the author of The Great Santini, which had already mm -hmm. been a movie. So if you want yeah, to really change the focus. this guy had a bit of a bad dad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he kind of keeps showing up. Yeah. Um, but you can change the focus to be a bad dad story, which is yes. much more standard. But like, I don't know if the movie is better if you do that, right? No, 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 no it's worse. It's way worse. That's the thing. Like, I'm because the, the Lowen scene is less crucial to the book, right? Yeah. The book is much more rooted in his Yeah, she's past. like the, you know, tell me the story of your life and you're like, and the story of the life is what takes right. up hundreds of pages. And I think at the time people were like, well, of course, Streisand gets her hand on this and the psychiatrist is all over the picture. Yeah. But if this movie is just like, I had a shitty family, let me tell you about it. It could be fine. But like this movie instead is like, let me tell my psychiatrist about it and fall in love with her upper crust, like Upper East Side life and have sex with her and coach her son at football when he's clearly a concert violinist. Yes. I'm like, now this is a movie unlike any of <laughs> And yes. it's really watchable and it's well acted. Incredibly largely. well acted. Yeah. And it's something I will think about. Versus, like, there's a lot of films, such as The Great Santini. A great film. I love The Great Santini. Yeah. It's a good film, but it's, you know, a, a great bad dad movie. Yes. I can watch that if I need to see just a bad dad. Right. This It's the difference between... Uh, 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 this is a movie made by a director. Yeah. This okay. Is, right. So talking about, like, analogs, right? Because I feel like when Bradley Cooper started his directing career, the thing was like, oh, he's doing the Beatty, right? Mm -hmm. He's following in this model. Bradley Cooper is the analog to Streisand. I had this exact thought watching this movie. We, we just did the fucking Star is Born. Uh -huh. Hers, right? Which then only never, hadn't never seen it before. I didn't realize how much Cooper's movie is directly remaking mm -hmm. her right, movie. Right, it's the music movie. So right. Right, it's the most 
reminiscent in a way. Yeah. And I have not been lucky enough to see Maestro yet. Maestro. 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 <laughs> Only Which, I have seen Maestro. Katie is seeing it, I believe, tomorrow. I'm seeing tomorrow. it tomorrow <gasps> as we speak. Yeah. Our, our episode will have already come out on it by this point in time, but well, we're, we're recording really this early. The timeline here. We're really flipping Much it like up. Much like Tom Wingo sorting yes. through his childhood memories. Much like Bradley Cooper's presentation of the story of Maestro. Well then. But similarly, it feels like, huh, they're like working through some stuff, right? Like right. what material they choose to glom onto. And how they frame those stories. I, I love. Well, and I mean, how, certainly that is my take on Maestro while being respectful to the private life of Bradley Cooper, which yes. I know nothing about. Of course. Except for gossip and innuendo. I make no direct. No, 100%. But yes, no, I, which I much prefer. And that's why when I've been hearing rumors of like, oh, Cooper's being such a diva about Maestro. Like he wants to show it at the big concert hall and do a concert afterwards. And everyone, oh, what a prima donna. I'm like, we need more we need prima more donnas. We need more of this. I don't need people who are going to be like, you know, it was a pleasure to work with, you know, this giant conglomerate to bring the best version of Lobo to life. Like, no, yes. I, wa I want to hear about crazy people. Like, we love Ron Howard, but we don't, we well, need, Ron we don't Howard need different actor place. turned directors. I know. I'm, I'm happy point. for Ron Howard yeah. to do his thing. Yes. yes. But need, he's always been there. Yeah. Yes. You know, if I hear Ron Howard tomorrow, like, you know, talking like Ridley Scott, I would be like, Ronnie, what's, what's the matter, baby? Like, you okay? I was talking to someone, uh, I'll anonymize this, but I was talking to someone who, who was a key crew on uh, Maestro. Sure. Department head. Right. And was talking about how difficult he was. Yeah, Mr. B. Cooper. Yes. Talking about. Yes. And I was like, but that no, no, sounds kind of interesting Bradley to me. C. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, anonymizing. That's who I want to anonymize. <laughs> the director of Maestro. <laughs> would be funny if you knew Bradley Cooper and he was like, I'm such a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Like he's giving you the gun. Well, he was just like talking about sure. like how exacting he was. And I was like, but that's kind of exciting to me. And he was like, no, no, let me be clear. I loved it. Right, mm. right. You, he, you mm -hmm. get less of that these days. That's the thing. He was kind of talking through the prism of like, look, he is like super demanding and specific and controlling. And it's like not a very collaborative process and it's like obsessive, but there's like a thing clearly driving him. And it's nice to work with someone who is that driven. And Streisand, the whole thing with her as a director at this time. Very normal. Very calm. Definitely didn't have any perspective. Or, you know, go ahead. Yes. The whole thing about her. No, this weird push and pull of, of like, you know. Oh, she reframes the movie to be about the love story and sure. Lowenstein saving his life and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, what an obvious diva Barbara Streisand move, right? But to some degree, I do think, and this bears out in like the the stuff that JJ compiled for us, she is strategic about the fact of like, I want to be directing movies and my greatest asset in directing movies is making myself the star of my movies. Mm -hmm. I know they won't give me the bandwidth if I don't place myself at the center of the films. You know, she wanted to do Yentl with a different actor and it was just not going to fucking happen. And it right. took her, what, 10 years to get it made yes, even then? Right. So she like rewrote it and made the character older because it's like the only way this gets made if it's me and I sing. She dobsed it. Yeah. She did a dobs. No, dob the problem with Albert Dobbs, I think, is that his name? Dobbs. Jesus, not Dobbs. I was like, who the Dobbs. Who's Albert Dobbs? Albert Dobbs. <laughs> the problem with Albert Dobbs, right, was that she didn't age it up enough, maybe, right? Like, it was like yes. she'd been trying to make it for so long that when she finally made it, you were like, what is it? Years old. <laughs> it I mean, in Yentl, she's, you certainly get like a, a yeshiva boy, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's great. But, but this balance of like, and it's, it's what's so fascinating about Streisand's whole persona is like, please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. Why is no one paying attention to mm -hmm, me? Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't. Again. I insist that you beg me to. 
We need more. I mean, I can't get over the way that she films herself. And I think this comes up yes. more in the mirror has two faces, which I'm guessing you guys haven't watched yet. No, I watched that's that the most while extreme. Ago. Yeah, that's that's ever. where she does like the full makeover. And it's like, can you believe how beautiful this woman standing before you is? And yeah. she's like well into her 50s when she makes that movie. Yeah. yeah. But even this movie has a like shot panning up her legs, like from Nick Nolte's perspective. She's big. Like she, she also and, has like the spotlight from the Eiffel Tower on her at all it, times. I mean, like, she knows how to make herself look great. And I don't know if Bradley Cooper, great. I haven't seen Maestro, but I don't know if he has that yet. I, I want well, no, him but, to embrace but, but that Maestro, but, but Cooper is not like that. And we'll stop this comparison because it's a both, different type of vanity. He, yeah. His yes. glamour is like, I'm a monster. Right, you know? yeah. That's the thing. Like Bradley Cooper doing Elephant Man on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And when he talks about that and he's like, and I didn't want any makeup, I just did it with my body because my whole body's fucked up. And he'll do these interviews where he's like, well, no one notices this, but like my shoulders are like lopsided. My right. skull is off angle. You're right, Bradley. You're hideous. Yes. But he's like so obsessed with all of his like physical things. And it's that same thing where it's like, I think it's different with him. I mean, part of this is like gender divide stuff where it's like he's fighting with perceptions of masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Whereas right. Barbara right. is sort of like, you know, there's, there's still no other movie star in history who has ever looked like her. No. Yeah. You definitely. know? And it's like, it's hard to define like what Jewishness is, right? But she's it's a complicated conversation about Jewish like beauty. Like, right, how much you know, of this cultural or, right, right. But you're just like, everyone else who is thrown out as like a beautiful Jewish star, the subtext of it is they don't look Jewish, however right. you define that, Right. There's this attitude of, uh, like, well, Paul Newman, we're so proud that Paul Newman's a Jew. He kind of looks like a goy, right? <laughs> you know, or right, like right. Jewish yeah, actresses yeah, yeah, sure. who got the nose job and then they sort of like assimilate a little bit more. Well, Jennifer Grey is the one who fucks it up where she like did it after people I know. had. She never should have done Yes. It. I mean, whatever. I hope she's happy. But she said she shouldn't Yeah, hasn't she said yeah. she yeah. regrets that? But it's like the complicated, thorny, like, the self-loathing cultural Judaism of Hollywood, right? This like industry created largely by Jewish American immigrants because it was seen as low class, right? This is like the dregs in the same way that they like took over the Catskills because it's like that's unbecoming to tell jokes at a country club. Very true. Making movies. That's like carny folk stuff, right? It's very true. Here's an industry we can like build from the ground up. And then part of that is this like innate whitewashing of like, but people don't want to see us. Mink. Our attitudes have to be like washed and Anglo-Saxonized a little bit. Totally. Stay in the shadows. I don't right. know. Yeah. I mean, or whatever. Or present, you know, as all American. And Barbara is like so unapologetically Jewish, becomes a superstar doing Fanny Bryce, and then is constantly fighting this like, I still never feel like I'm quite enough. Do you feel like the like the halves of this movie where like you've got the New York part of it that she's in, which is very like New York Hermel you, and then she's got the South Carolina parts of it where it's like sweeping sunsets and shrimp boats where she's like, look, I can branch out of this. Like you think I can only way. do this New York-y thing, but yes. here we go. But I also do feel like she has a real grip on what New York is like in the early 90s, Manhattan. Yeah. And she has more like my grip on what the Sea <laughs> Islands are probably like, right? Like if I went to South Carolina, I would be like, so it's bridges and some boats and shit, right? What do you got down here? <laughs> Here's my biggest Are question. Are any crawdads singing? <laughs> Can we pick up some audio? <laughs> my biggest question. What is this color? Huh? There's this like sea islands color. Like it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. 
it's like the main like color of any of the southern parts of this movie, especially the flashback sequences. Like you're talking about the sky or and the water. About... There's like this color of like all these like sweeping helicopter shots. No. Okay, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I feel like I'm going insane that you guys don't know what I'm talking about. There are like these sweeping helicopter shots of like the water and the sunset and the boats and Gorgeous everything is cast beauty. in this one color that's like this weird like pinky orange. That's sort of sunsets, right? Golden and the tides. He's the prince of them, you know. Very disappointed Poseidon wasn't in this movie, though. I did think he should have showed up, maybe. You know, in the book, in the, the prince of tides is someone else entirely. Who's the prince of tides? Is it Luke? The, yeah, yeah, it's the brother who gets like mostly cut out of the movie. I mean, with I, good I understand reason. cutting him out because it's like he's dead. Yeah. How much more? And you're going to spend another half hour being like, let me tell you about this dead That's character. That's literally what happens in the book. sick, though. The brother. I mean, he seems like a badass. I kind of wanted to see yeah, that play so out. Did, yeah. Let's fucking do a sequel. Let's keep Tay yeah, Taylor out of it. He does that like guerrilla like warfare four. against the Atomic, Atomic Energy Commission. You're which, giving him one? That whole I, thing is based on a real town in South Carolina. It's very close to where I grew up, where they moved the whole dang town. Uh, so you grew I, up in South Carolina? Yes, grew up in South Carolina. I live now in North Carolina. That's yes. where it gets confusing. I, I did not grow up on the coast, though. Not really where this is near place. Georgia, right? Yeah, You're, like, um, yeah, inland, uh, but near the Savannah River site, which was an atomic, an AEC post-Oppenheimer uh, mm. nuclear weapons plant, which they based that part of the story about the brother in the book on. But it's not in the movie, so. What is the deal with the brother in the book? I, he's like the strong, tough guy, and then, and the, so they reveal the big traumatic childhood thing that's mm -hmm. like the climax of the movie in some ways, and then after that, he kind of does this like guerrilla warfare thing against the people trying to build the power plant and like blows oh, up a wow. bridge. Because okay. like Nolte kind of describes it in a speech, but they basically yeah. show that entire thing. And he and the sister try to go save him and then he gets shot and that's what happens to him. So it's the same thing, but it's, just kind of off to the side. Most of it out, but it so. makes the title make sense in a way that, I, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt when you got to it in the movie, but you're like, huh, you... You're the makes perfect sense to you, me. This, this guy he knows he's a prince. He talks about tides. <laughs> no more questions. Football coach and tides. They go together tides, perfectly. Of course. I, I, I respect the tides greatly. And thus I respect and the prince respect of tides. And respect and feared them. Yes. The Prince of Tides was released in 1991, directed by Barbara Streisand, a famous singer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of her. Her second um, picture, eight years after her first picture. Her first film, Gentle, was released in 1983. And after that, Barbara kind of takes a break. She's been pretty famous pretty consistently for, I think, about 15 yeah. you know, plus years at that point. And post-Yentl is when she kind of recedes a little bit. That she Is she, Nuts the only movie she does between Yentl and Prince of Tides? A film I've never seen. A classic, 1987, a classic David takes the VHS off of the yeah. video store and is like, what is this? What is like, this? Yeah. Almost every time I went to the video store. It's one store. of the wildest posters. Because she's like... Yeah, and it's a lot of text. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. And I've never seen, nuts. Have you ever seen Nuts? No, I'm honestly thinking it's like of a mixed drama. nuts, which is not the no, same thing. No, no, no. This movie is not about legumes or <laughs> yeah. pecans or anything like that. It's about someone who kills it's a, it's a, her husband. or She's a call girl. A sex who, worker, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. She's a... Yes. Yes. And she kills a client and yes. she's trying to be declared mentally incompetent or maybe not be declared mentally incompetent, hence nuts. And Dreyfus is her lawyer. Yeah, Dreyfus in a weird, weird role for him is sort of a nervy lawyer. Um, is this like a prestige Oscar Martin Rick? Yeah. Play yeah. Thing? Yeah. yeah, okay. No, 
But it was sort of like her going far outside of her comfort zone. Yes. Uh, Yes. Classic like movie that got like four Golden Globe noms and zero noms from any other legitimate awards Because Yentl gets like some Oscar attention but kind of disrespected, right? Which is going to be the theme of her career. And we will talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine her going off that being like, I'll show you, I'll play crazy. And it doesn't work out either. Right. She also released the Broadway album, which is a very famous Streisand album. It made like, you know, went like quadruple platinum or whatever. But I think she's um, not doing too much. She goes to see Larry Kramer's The Normal Heart uh-huh. in 1985. Let's I just say quickly, I mean, part of this is, A, it's like she's entering her third into fourth decade of, like, stardom, superstardom, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and Yentl is, like, the thing she's been pushing for her whole career. She gets this validation of, like, you did it, people had their knives out, even if it's disrespected by the Oscars. It was, like okay, you earned yourself a place at the table. We have to semi-respect you as a filmmaker. And it does feel... But but I it, think she was like... It was kind of the butt of jokes at the time a little bit. It was, but I think she yeah. quieted them to a certain degree. I, I would disagree with that. I think Yentl people made fun of a lot at the time. I, I disagree. I, I think this sure. is the movie that establishes her as more of a legitimate filmmaker. Now we think of Yentl better than they did then. I think the bigger point is... Even if my original point was incorrect, <laughs> which I, yeah, maybe I'll consider. Uh, I think the bigger point is that she, at this point, is like, I'm not ceding control to anyone, right? Certainly. I've been able to direct my own films. I'm not just going to be slotted into stuff. Why'd she make nuts, though? Well, you know what? Let's talk about it, because I bet you right. this no, is a little like bit the, in the... But, th- but she starts to do very little press, mm-hmm. very selective about what she does. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just like, I'd rather do nothing for several years. What's her personal life like at this point? I'm sure it's very normal. She always dated very normal men. Um, <laughs> I want to tell you that she saw The Normal Heart. Okay. okay. 1985, okay. a seismic play off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Larry Kramer's film about the HIV epidemic. And asks Kramer, can I make this into a movie? A pretty bold notion in yes. 1985. Kramer says, when he hears about this, he like, collapses in joy. He's like, I cannot believe this. Like, you know, obviously the play is like my life. It's so important to me. But like the idea that Streisand, like she could actually get this over the the line. I I think a lot of his friends were like, are you kidding me? She's going to come in and Hollywoodize it and strangle Mm -hmm. it. And he's just like, the whole point is I wanted to use this as like a tool for communication. Mm -hmm. I did this as a play because it was the fastest way to get the voice out there. But he does say... I would have to write the script. Yes. He, you know, he but makes he recognizes that Streisand's going to give this a platform. Right. She's going to legitimize the conversation in a way that will get people's attention. Um, um, right. But, but I need to still have the authorial voice over the script. He says she was very professional. They worked for weeks, you know, like, you know, trying to figure everything out. One point, apparently, he gave her what he says was a pretty graphic book about gay sex, and I'm sure it disturbed her, but I felt she had to understand something about the physical side of homosexual love. Would love to see that in her. That sounds like a real Larry Kramer movie. <laughs> 80s Larry Kramer being like, check this out, Barbara. <laughs> um, um, the other thing in there is that, like, he he has said that uh, uh, Jason, her son, had not come out yet. Yes, but he was maybe aware. She could perhaps And sense. she was probably right. To right. some degree, her working with this material was her trying right. to understand... Um, but she would not let him write the screenplay or at least not guarantee it in the contract. They got in a fight over it and that killed it. Yes. I mean, also, Larry Kramer and Barbara Streisand are two very strong personalities. Yes. Uh, so nuts, This kills her first attempt at trying to make Yes. It. So yes. Nuts, she does produce. 
Apparently she clashed with the director. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Um, and did uh, she ever consider directing that, or was that always I, just? I I don't know. Like it doesn't. It just says that she produced it, and I think she did the music for it. So I mean, she was creative. The score. The score. Yes. But the score is just, just her going nuts. It's just her shaking a bag of pistachios <laughs> into the microphone. Um, I mean, am I wrong Damn, about one this? One of us got to watch nuts. Maybe I'll check out. Nuts. I'll watch nuts. I'm going to try <laughs> to. Open I'm trying to fill in Barbara Gaps while we're on this series. Um, Gentle is eighty. Three? 83? Yes, and Nuts is 87. From 83 on... And Tides is 91. She's one every four years. She throws a out. From yeah. 83 to 2023, a 40-year gap. Am I wrong in thinking she has only acted in four movies that she did not direct? So the others being Two Nuts, Fockers. Two Fockers and The Guilt Trip. Is that it? Yes. This is the bigger point Guilt I'm trying to make. Bad. Guilt Trip is good. It's good. I Guilt Trip is like I need to watch good, it. and she's fucking unreal. She and Seth Rogen seem like a good pair. The whole thing with her is she's always good. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, like I think the even Fockers in the Fockers movies, I don't. Yeah, I don't like yeah. those movies very much. But like my whole argument for why Meet the Fockers is better than Meet the Parents, <laughs> I knew we were which I debuted to do a lot of controversy this before. Is why, yeah, is largely I'm just like I don't know. Barbara Streisand is in it, and that's like kind of huge for I mean, me. Hoffman is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, the two of them are funny. I rewatched all three of them recently they're, for reasons I cannot they're explain. They're so, they're aging like Horribly. fucking milk. milk. <laughs> like the minute those movies came out, yes. they started desiccating. Hoffman is like destroying in those movies. Streisand is fun, but they yeah. give her but such a, a one dimensional. Like, ah, you know, I'm a Jewish mom. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think she was there for like four days? She's like, this is what you get? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you're right, Griff. That's it. Those are her right. only, you know, credits. Yeah, right. So it's credits. like three yeah. big studio comedies. Which I assume she was just paid a lot of money. Totally. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and then Nuts is the only other film where you feel like, did she almost want to direct this? And she wasn't directing, but she's a very hands-on producer. Yeah. I almost, I'm sort of confused as to why she didn't direct it. I just but. think from Yentl on, and, and perhaps it is because she wasn't fully accepted. She's just like, you know what? I'm not playing the game. I'm doing everything by my rules. I'd rather just fucking sit it out. I'm not doing interviews when I don't have to. I do an album when I feel like it. She has this tremendous power of just, she is Barbara Streisand. Anytime she wants to, she can cut a new album, do a residency, do a special, or do a tour, and make so much fucking money yes, and have the attention of the zone, world. Right, where it's like, you will always have devoted, gigantic, like, you know, appeal. Right. Like now, if she was like, I'm doing a stadium tour, she would sell every Destroy. freaking one out oh, for yeah. like 800 bucks yeah. a seat or whatever. I mean, her memoir insane. is still about to come out as we record this, and you assume that she's making a chunk of money off Humanities. of that thing. Right. No, I'm sure she did that for free, right? It's also like a thousand pages long. <laughs> That's a, a Kindle single. It's <laughs> a Kindle single. <laughs> Pat Conroy. Yes. Katie. Yeah. The novelist. Proud South Carolinian. Publishes The Prince of Tides, a book confusingly not about Poseidon, in 1986. It's quite long, almost 600 pages. It About sells half a Barbara memoir. <laughs> right, half a, <laughs> half a Babs. It sells 2 million copies by 1991. A lot yeah. of copies, to be clear. Uh, obviously, Water is Wide, that turned into a movie. Yep. That's a famous book. Great Santini, You're Gonna Cry, Basketball. Uh, Lords of Discipline got turned into a movie, so he's made, he's already an established mm -hmm. thing. You've seen those. Have you seen, you've seen Great Santini? I've seen Santini. Yeah. I haven't seen the others either. Yeah. And I've seen the Santini sequel. What's the Santini sequel? Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> Basically, I guess it's a legacy sequel. 
But everyone's like kind of chilled out at that point. <laughs> Duval's just kind of mean. He's not like actively abusive. That's eh, kind of the vibe he's had for the last he's decade He's pretty so. mean and he's still alive, right? Duval's Duval? still with us? Yeah. I feel like that's one where I got to check in every day. So you yeah. got to check by the time this is released. Too. That's the other thing. <laughs> We're recording this like four months in advance. <laughs> like that's one where I'm like, do I need to catch up on like a couple Duvals I haven't seen just yeah. so I'm really prepped for the obit? No yeah. offense to 92-year-old Robert Duval, who I no. hope lives for another 50 years. It It is a wild thing of just like life expectancy being what it is, that there is a tier of like legendary movie stars who still feel vital and work a fair amount who are now in their 90s. Yeah. 92 years old. Now, if Duvall's in a movie now, he's playing an extremely old, probably racist man who's like, <laughs> like yeah. that's largely what he does. He's doing now. some serious chair work. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure but he's still, done that since Widows, but Widows yeah, is the main one it. I think of. He got shot in Widows. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He did a great job with it. Uh, do you think he's excited when it's like you die not of natural causes at this point? He's like, hell yeah. I, I hope they he's alive when this episode fire. comes out. I hope he's so fucking alive when this episode comes out. <laughs> like he's on Dancing with the Stars or something? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Prince of Tides. He's going to play by Beast in the next Marvel the fucking Thunderbolts movie. <laughs> no, he's playing like a really young character. He's playing Franklin Richards. He's in Hustle. A really good movie. The Adam Sandler basketball movie. Yes. He's great in Hustle. Yeah, really a lot, great. lot of on the phone in that He one, dies of natural causes he early does. in the movie, but yes, in the scenes right. he's in, yeah, he's great. Always no, great. he's, re yes, he is auto prestige yes. in my opinion, right? Yes. Even in the worst trash. Can't like, phone it. Really and Hustle's good. Too, yeah. Conroy sold the rights to Prince of Tides to CBS Theatrical Films, mm -hmm. one of the many efforts at like a CBS film yeah, studio doing that, that every flopped. 10 years or so yeah uh, it's, it's always bad news because <laughs> it it's a television station yeah. crying out loud uh project gets kicked to united artists when cbs goes under uh jay preston allen does a polish of a screenplay the great jay preston allen absolutely robert mendel is attached as a director who is that he made school ties okay okay he made fx it was a pretty big hit yeah uh but school ties is kind of that makes sense as a kind of like, you know, kind of a feely drama. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, Redford is attached. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Certainly. Beatty was also rumored at one point. Shocking. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and then Barbara Streisand literally hears there's a book with a character called Dr. Susan Lowenstein. <laughs> that is not a joke. Yes. And she's like, I'm fucking perfect for this. <laughs> Sounds like a vehicle for me. No more information needed. The quote that I love is, I identify with this woman completely, even to a line in the book that says she's in the middle of aging extraordinarily well. This is the thing with her, okay? <laughs> That's and from a 1991 <laughs> interview. That's not even some rueful looking back quote. The thing about Barbara as a director, and I think she's a very interesting director, is there were such slams on her at the time of like, she's so vain. Everything is this monument to her. It's all about making her look good. And you're like, this is reductive and sexist. And then you dig into it and you're like, look, she was. <laughs> I heard the character was a 50-year-old hottie and I was in. I seized the rights in a hostile takeover. I don't think it is her exclusive interest. And I don't think it's to the detriment of the films, I, but it's part of the interesting uh, uh, conflict in her work. I love the idea of her having like a, an army of assistants where it's like scour the earth for yes. any story with a 50 year old hot Jewish slave. 
Well, it makes me wonder. Bring them to me. Connery was had his books adapted enough at this point. Did he write the character of Susan Lowenstein, thinking hmm, maybe Barbara Streisand would Barbara play her in the movie? I, mean, I would love him to admit that. But yeah. you you've read the book. It's not a major character, right? No, but it's like a she could She's be present. a like strong supporting role right. in a different version but of still, this. Movie. I think if you're writing it as Barbara Bate, you write this movie yeah. as a book. Yeah, you don't yeah. make and that like, a side. Or you could at least like be like. Who do I imagine for this beautiful Jewish New York therapist? Barbara Streisand. I was like, she would to come say, to mind. I'm, and I do not mean to speak ill of Pat Conroy, but I Who feel like- Who is dead, to be clear, so we cannot ask right, him, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it's just like where you're like, and then he, he, you know, she had a New York therapist. You know, 50-year-old rich Upper East Side Jewish woman right. is, 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 a, is a stereotypical therapist for someone sure. to have in New York City. Right? And a real Babs type. Yeah, it'd be, it's not like, uh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it was this 28-year-old guy. They play a lot of street ball. Like, you know, it's going to be like a lady in a fancy office. He could have been coaching the therapist on how to play football, and you would have put it all oh, together. Well, that might have been good. That would have been really good. Uh, now, this is a take from Marty Bergman, uh, close friend to Barbara, that mm -hmm. I kind of like, where he's like, Barbara's family was fractured by the death of her father so early. Yentl's sort of an homage to her father, he thinks, mm -hmm. coming to terms with that loss. Uh, Prince of Tides is about forgiveness, I think, and not blaming. It's about coming to, come to terms with other things in her life, forgiving her mother, forgiving her own son, yes. I guess. Thanks. you know. Uh, again, this is Marty Bergman's take. Yeah, but Barbara but, Streisand's take is like, I heard she was hot. Bar Barbara's <laughs> father dies when she's a year and a half. Yes, very young. And she talks a lot about the phantom father, which was her relationship to the man that everyone talked about. No, who was Darth Sidious. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. He's the phantom menace. Oh, shit. <laughs> Darth Plagueis is kind of the Phantom Father is the implication. Oh, God. Um, but but that the way her father was spoken of as this incredibly uh, uh, charming, noble, sophisticated man. Her mother remarries and her stepfather is this like incredibly cold, dispassionate man. Yeah. And she's like chasing a father she can never know. And the man who's in front of her. There's a really heartbreaking little anecdote that JJ put in the dossier of her as a little girl being like, you know what? I'm going to like commit two days of my life to being exactly what I think my stepfather wants me to be. And just like waited on him hand and foot and sat next to him. Slippers. Right. Yeah. Watching yeah, yeah. the football game of like, if I like football let's, too, will he like let's me? Let's see if this works essentially. Right. And right. it made no difference. And she was just like, this man will never, ever be interested in me. And that is the part of me that like made me capable of singing like tragic love songs when I was a teenager is just this inherent, like, unfillable void inside me. Which also leads to, I mean, and, and she says this, like, directly, there's a, there's a quote in there, but it's like, it's the part of me that never believed any compliment ever offered to me. Partly because her is, mother right. uh, never gave her any compliments, she right. said. And, and, her and mom, said, her like, mom said, I never wanted you to have a swelled head. Yes. But she was like, you know, my mother was, like, realistic of, like, you have to be, like, you have to adjust your expectations for your career with the way you look. But it's very interesting because, yes, a lot of these quotes are her saying, like, yeah, the Prince of Tides, in a way, it's about learning to appreciate your mother, things like that. That's sort of what it's about. Sort of? Yeah. I would say if Barbara, if that's like her emotional connection to the material, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. If I'm Barbara's mother and I watch this, I'm not like, oh, yeah, we clearly are doing great. You know, like, yeah, this is really <laughs> repairing my relationship. No, I'm watching this movie and knowing that Kate Nelligan got a supporting actor, actress nomination. Yeah. I was stuck in there. waiting for like the big a, scene. a wild yeah. catharsis scene in the last act of the movie that does not happen. Yeah. No, she's good in the film and she's a theater legend. But that nomination is borderline surprising, in it's my opinion. Strange. Frankie and Johnny was the same year. It was. 
And she and won she was a huge Broadway actor yes. in the eighties. So like, right. You but know. she won the BAFTA for Frankie and Johnny the same year, and several critics groups. Well, back then, the BAFTAs were drunk off their ass. They would do all kinds of shit. You're Five acting that. nominations <laughs> for Trading Places. Um, uh, no, the thing I was gonna say, she several critics groups gave her split Best yeah. Supporting Actress yeah. for those two movies. And this mm-hmm. is the Oscar player, so it was yeah. one of those yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, it's like the one you can single out from it. To, yes. Uh, to kind of go all the way. You don't want to give it to Blythe? Poor Blythe. Nomless. Fascinating the the Fockers. That's true. And she's in Blythe and the Great Santini, too. Oh, sure. But I just like Blythe being her like wasp foil. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Multiple times over the years, they keep yeah. butting heads. I would say in my Southern accents ranking, Blythe is coming in near the bottom. God bless her. She just doesn't have that, like, I grew up in South Carolina vibe about her. No, I mean, she's she not did, she did from not. the South. <laughs> she looks great on a she, beach, though. She makes sense as the, and I say this with all due respect to the character and the woman, cold fish. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the kind of like placid, lovely wife that, you know, two minutes in, you're like, Nalty's cheating on her. <laughs> oh, boy. She's cheating on him. That's the twist. I know. He gets sort of quote unquote permission. Mm-hmm. Phone call. Who is he? Ah, God damn it. It's that fucking guy. I love that scene. <laughs> That's a great scene. That guy sucks. I just love the idea of that scene of him being like, look, if it was Jim. Yeah. Over at the heart, I get it. That guy's that guy's yeah, a million my bucks. least favorite guy. <laughs> my last choice to cut me. <laughs> this movie is so good. It's so wild. Uh, okay, so Pat Conroy is guaranteed the uh, opportunity to write the first draft. Uh, they write a script, and Conroy himself says, I don't think it was very good. I can't imagine how long it was. It must have been crazy. Um. Streisand says, I adore him. You know, he was fabulous. Then he started to write. He can't really do a screenplay. It's too beautifully written. That's how she puts it. Like, too poetic in a way. But, like, the the dialogue is not actable when he's translating it directly from the book. Probably that's what he's doing. Part of it. And uh, then she says, I want to spend two weeks with you. I want to get to know you. I want to tell you who I'm telling the story about. So they all hung out. He gave her a copy of the book with the following inscription to Barbara Streisand, the Queen of Tides, yada, 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 you're the best. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's fucking Yada, wrong. yada, yada, it, you're the best. It would be funny if that's what you're <laughs> It's on Wikipedia, I think. And I feel yeah, like that it gives it. you a it's good long. sense of his prose, which is very flowery and like yes. I think can work better sometimes than, other, than others. But I think that's a big part of the appeal of the book that's really hard for the movie to capture is the, like the voiceover Nolte does is all taken directly from the book. Um, the the Criterion Blu-ray of this is fascinating because I, for whatever reason, assume this was one of those discs, like something wild, where occasionally Criterion will put a disc out where it's like special features, scene selection. Right. <laughs> and you're like, you're Criterion, isn't your Come whole on. fucking thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Scooping up all the context. And I, for some reason, thought this was one of those. But this is, in fact, a movie that got a Criterion Laserdisc release mm-hmm. in the early days. So they have like old commentary or whatever. Well, it yeah. feels like Streisand supplied them with a bunch of shit. In a way that only like James Cameron and a few other filmmakers are doing at the time where they have like multi-angle shit and like breakdowns of her editing process and all this stuff. But one of the things they have is like a go arrow by arrow through gallery of different book inscriptions that Carol uh, wrote to her. And there are like four of them and they're all really good. 
uh, and they say much like David quoted beautifully, uh, yada, yeah, yada, yeah, yada, yeah, so yeah. on and so forth. Well, we got to keep moving. Uh, <laughs> Becky Johnson gets the the other credit. Barbara works on this script a lot, but the one know, I want to say is he said like, I, I have you you have given my book back to me. Yeah. How nice of him. I, I feel like you unlocked a thing. You taught me a lot about how to be an artist. The process of us working together taught me a lot, but also like this book was so difficult for me to work <laughs> through and working through my past and my demons that even when the book came out and it was acclaimed, it felt too close to me. And I kind of like shuddered and hit away from all right, it. All right, I'm cutting you off. We got, we got, we got to keep going. Jeez, well, come on, we haven't even gotten to the plot yet. And also, I have to tell you that Barbara Streisand took the book, the book on a trip to Greece with her because she wanted to visit the ancient site of myths. Okay. I just like the <laughs> idea for being of like book? this book needs to like collect some Acropolis <laughs> vibes. There's tides in Greece. Um, there's fucking tides everywhere. <laughs> There's only one, only one prince. Not in Nebraska, where Dick Nolte is from. Just fair. That's that true. Out. They're not really near the oceans over there. They might have some rivers. They probably do. Rivers have um, They can. Sure. Hmm. Yes. Think, no. You know, right? rivers can be tidal. Come on, guys. Yeah, but they have to be near the ocean to yeah. be tidal. All rivers somehow connect to the ocean or whatever. Stop it. We're not having a river tangent right now. That's like Nemo logic. I don't know if that's real. <laughs> well, like the Thames has tides, but obviously, yes, it's like, you know, whatever. Where? The River Thames in London. Don't you, <laughs> don't you dare start. I, this is, no. <laughs> My mouth is a gate. It's been David. like months. What do you mean? Uh, Years. Uh, uh, all right. Easiest role to cast, Dr. Lowenstein. That one's going to go to Barbara Streisand. Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. First choice for Wingo, maybe. Nick Nolte gets it. Streisand felt like he had the right combination of machismo and sensitivity. Not wrong. Yeah. Can't That's what that. he gives you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also, look, it, it, the power of casting him in this role is watching him for 90 minutes and going like, this guy's suppressing a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That Nick Nolte playing full charm, you're never losing sight of what he's got bottled. You still think that guy could, you know, throw your fiddle off a building. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, He's going to do it. Just now, Streisand said she was like, I want you. This is a romantic film. You're going to be a romantic leading man. And he was like, no, I'm a character. I'm not that. But she was like, I thought he had all the sense, you know, potential for that to do love scenes and stuff like which he hadn't really done throughout no, the 80s. This is yeah. the thing that makes him the sexiest man alive. By not doing oh because this, in this. this movie they're like oh you're a sex symbol now right I, I think it's at fifty makes him a little bit more of like a romantic leading man right yeah um you know Nalty loves her excellent director he says she knows the problems of the actor she's very visual thinks she thinks in rhythms because of music so she's very attuned to sound you know I'd love to hear him talk about Barbara Streisand for forty minutes put it on an LP yeah just him reminiscing about Barbara you should do spoken word poetry. I he think. should do an album of duets with Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he takes the high part for some reason. <laughs> She's going low. Uh, he also tell me how. Uh, Jason Gould's in this film. Uh -huh. mm. Her son. How'd he get cast? Well, the initial casting went to Chris O'Donnell. Really? Oh, he yeah, was cast. he was hot back then. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, Jason thought she thought Jason was too old for the part. <laughs> Good thinking. Yep. <laughs> but he was quote unquote adamant. Streisand says he never asked me for anything. He's uh, never really been ambitious in that way, never been desired to be famous. But he said, I, I really want this role. Like, so Interesting. I don't know. And uh, Pat Conroy apparently saw a picture of him and said, like, Who's this kid? 
And she's like, that's my son. And he's like, that's Bernard. That's Bernard Lowenstein. Like that, that'd work. He does so Pat look Conroy the kind part of approved. more yeah, than Chris O'Donnell ever yes. would. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Chris O'Donnell doesn't read Jewish to me. No. No. He means more like a Robin to me. Mm. Right? Yes. yes. He's got street tough vibes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Tough. 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 No one tougher than Robin. No. It's <laughs> definitely not that Robin. <laughs> no. Uh, Kate Nelligan. Mm -hmm. uh, audition for the Blythe Danner role. Okay. Sort of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then originally they were going to do two different actors for the mom and they decide to do, she'll, you'll be the mom and we'll slap some makeup on mm -hmm. you. But it, but it's good. a decision that very early on sets a tone of a certain heightened reality that this movie is playing. Yes, because Definitely. you meet her in old age makeup before you ever see. Well, no, you guess you see her young in the very, very beginning. You do, but you she, do. she doesn't yes. speak I until do. she's there in the I old age makeup. I love the beginning. And let's just, you know, of just like Nick Nolte's doing narration. Yeah. Ah, growing up on Hilton Head, wherever the fuck this is. Yeah. What a time. It's a sweeping James uh, Newton Howard score. Yeah. James Newton Howard, who dated Barbara Streisand yep. off yep. this movie. Yep. Oh, Nice. Yeah. Amazing to think about them. Like he's like, can I show you some, you know, sitting in some, the lay down some tracks for you? Yeah. arrangements. <laughs> score so good it makes her go wild. James Newton Howard did the score, but yeah, no, it's soaring score. Mm -hmm. He's like, ah, it's so good. Tides are everywhere, and he's like, my mom, who is a real piece of shit, by the way. And you're like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> my shitty mom put a little crown on my head and just deemed me so, the prince of time. She's being so nice to me right uh, now, but just you wait. She taught me how to believe in stories. I thought she was great. Of course, she is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the interest, like the interesting it's tension like, of the book and the movie yeah, too. Mother, it's just like, I love my mother. Woman. I hate my mother. Oh, I fucking hate it. <laughs> it's just this narration, this like Tony. Hallmark movie narration and then it's like shots fired like yeah. mom and stepdad both yeah. suck yeah um, but you need that I think because you get in like that lushness is like is what the book is and I think you need to be like this mm -hmm. is a story about childhood and memories and sea islands and tides and because it immediately sends you to like modern day people with modern day problems you need right. that nostalgia to start with when the decision Definitely. to yeah. like within five minutes show us Kate Nelligan in flashback and reintroduce her, yeah. like very close together. Mm -hmm. And they are not going for like heavy prosthetics, nah, they've old aging. Her up a it's like bit. very theatrical. Yeah. Much in the same way that when he goes to visit his sister in the hospital, like it is theatrical makeup. The great Melinda Dillon. Yeah. Incredible Melinda Dillon. She's really good. She's, yeah. She actually, very special. Awesome. We yes. lost her recently. Did we not? Didn't she pass? Melinda? Fairly recently. Did lose her in January. Wow, she died at the age of six. I have eighty three. Jesus, great one of the one of the great unheralded stars. Of I the, think she is a yeah. bit of an even though obviously she's in like Close Encounters and Slapshot and Absence yeah. of Malice and all these like big Magnolia. movies. Magnolia. I mean, she's great in Magnolia. So good, Magnolia. Well, she gets overshadowed in this movie because she's absent for so much. This yeah. is certainly a movie where I feel like she's more being deployed as like when we finally meet this character, we sure, kind of need someone who can, who can make that pop yeah. for three scenes, essentially. Yeah. She's the sister. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so the, all right, so we're in, come on, the Prince of Tides, we're in... Um, come on, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince of Tides. So he, you know, it's basically... It's not, it's not Hilton Head. The it's town like, it's based on is Beaufort, which is Beaufort a real is town, but it's, it's called yeah. Colleton. Give in, us the Carolinas the context. Uh, so yeah, basically between Hilton Head and Charleston is where you're talking right. about. So Hilton Head is not so far off, but like some pretty remote sea islands. I think if Hilton Head is slightly fancier. Yeah, well, Hilton Head's sure. like basically all resorts. Like right. people don't live there, but like Beaufort okay. people live in, like all these uh, smaller islands between... 
Hilton Head and Charleston. And then the character, Nick Nolte's character that grows up lives like on the beach on Sullivan's Island, which, so I asked my mom about this, you know, as my like, you know, boomer South Carolina expert. And she said, people really do just live in beach houses on Sullivan's Island, which I was like, that looks like a vacation house. But, it looks like a vacation house. Yeah, I mean, and they also, might have just rented a vacation house to film in, but. What if a fucking hurricane blows So out? the, the dunes back then were much worse than they are now. They have shored up those dunes since then uh-huh. so that you're not going to get knocked over. But this would have been filmed right around the same time as Hurricane Maybe Hugo, which was a big South Carolina hurricane. So I don't know. But I did have that thought because you see at the end, like the stairs are getting washed up by the ocean. It's like, dude. And they got the kind of vinegary barbecue or is it, it's mustardy down mustardy, in South Carolina, I don't right? know. Coastal might get less mustardy. I don't actually know. It's like either tomato or mustard. And you kind of have the fights between the two of them. My part of South Carolina so is good, mustard. Man. It's yeah. good. It's good. It's Come all down good. Pimento cheese and barbecue and fried green tomatoes on a sandwich. You could do it. David, let's do the road trip. Yeah, you guys have been saying it. I, let's I do the road trip. <laughs> bring the child. Bring the child. <laughs> she throws up in the car after 20 minutes. I'll bring a bucket. <laughs> You're going to need to. Yeah. You're going to need to bring a drop. I will. Um, I've I've visited you in, in Durham. You have. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it, it, I've been to Charleston. Uh, and You've done the Charleston. And I've done. I do it every day. Yeah, in the mirror. What's the Charleston again? You know, it's the one where you do this. Oh, um, wow. but you do a lot of other stuff too. Oh my God, David, you're incredible. <laughs> you barely know these yeah. hands were attached. Oh my God. Sitting still. The scene in Mad Men where Pete and Allison Brie do the Charleston is like one of the greatest TV scenes of all time. That, that's what episode where he does blackface too, where Roger no, does blackface. No, he doesn't do blackface. Yeah, Roger, Roger does. does blackface. Roger. Pete yeah. is the only character in that scene to re- register disgust, along with Don. Everyone else in the yeah. scene registers no disgust. It's only Pete and Don. They, they, Pete turns to Don. He's like, I think this is going to age poorly. <laughs> and Don's like, don't talk to me, you little fucking weasel. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the Sea Islands, it's all the coast of South Carolina. Yeah, Triple Barrier Island. Islands is what you could call yeah. it, too. Uh, yeah, it's it's incredibly beautiful down there. I like. I think my main thing with this movie is there's not enough of it. Like, yeah, it's sure. not really about... You don't like the Rainbow Room? We got nice I mean, stuff look, in New the York. The Rainbow Room is you know, like okay. Prince Street. The New Yorky stuff is amazing. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get to that. But yeah. like the capturing the feeling of the South Carolina coast, like, you know, I'm attached to it. Obviously, the book is very attached to it. But like it doesn't spend as much time there as I think it could sure. and still be telling a story that makes sense. And not even like all the weird subplots, but kind of like a sense of place. I think we said this earlier, like she gets New York. She kind yeah. of sees that that is pretty to be in the marshes. And that's about as far as it What's can go. A- Another movie set there that might. Uh, I mean, because it is so beautiful. So well, the big show is set down there, right? Set, I think it's set in Michigan, but filmed there. Wait, I know true? it's about the big show famously used the Great Santini House. Yes, and I know that it's about people who went to University of Michigan because my husband did, and he's very proud of no, it. No, no, it's set there. in Beaufort, South Carolina. Okay, they went to University Beaufort. of Michigan. Beaufort. Sorry. Um, and then the thing that was filming Beaufort. when I was a kid that I remember is Forrest Gump filmed mm. Vietnam scenes in this part of South Carolina, and we were very attached to that. And also, like Fire. all the shrimp boat stuff, like you'll see. Big. Uh, the nineties were big for shrimp boats. In well, the there's shrimp, there's material about shrimp in Forrest Gump. We're gonna that. take you down. In Forrest Gump, the movie. They didn't take they you down to that shrimp that company on, after no. lunch for this. Um, yeah, so that I feel like you can see those Vietnam scenes in Forrest Gump and kind of get a sense of what it looks like. Well, but you don't get the sunsets and the bridges. What's the socioeconomic yeah. kind of like status of this area? Because it's a thing I imagine is expounded on much more greatly in the book. Yeah. But there's this whole thing of the father being this kind of like schemer who's constantly launching right. businesses He's a shrimp that boat guy, yeah. but he, fail. he wants to jump the ladder. Right. Eventually, the mom marries That's the, the thing. evil and, rich and gentleman. And Nolte clearly yeah. has this she sort of like Colonel resentment of like, you always wanted to like class yeah. jump. Right. Yeah. You finally got what you wanted. 
Yeah, like she wants to get into like the junior league and she wants right. to get into the cookbook. So there's this like, you know, high society class in Colleton, the Buford stand-in. Right. He's like, and so there's this whole like shrimping industry that doesn't really, I guess it still exists. Like you can still get shrimp from the coast of South yeah. Carolina, but like fishing is global and everything. So it's mm, kind of, there isn't really, shrimping. no, there's plenty of it, but I don't think there's as many people making their livings as shrimpers as there were in the sure. 50s when the flashbacks are set. Um, so yeah, they have an island that was like in the family since the Civil War and that's the only thing they own of value and the father's always investing in these cockamamie schemes mm -hmm. and losing money even though he's a good shrimper. And he buys a tiger, which you see in very briefly. You see that briefly in the movie. Maybe it shouldn't be in the movie because you're like, <laughs> I have so many questions about the tiger. <laughs> the tiger I'm it's a bigger part of the book. Big part of the book. So the, the, the idea of the Esso tiger, which they don't clarify. Esso's mascot was a tiger. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I assume that is why when he bought an Esso station, he got a tiger. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it involves a circus <laughs> and the tiger eating its seal off of a derelict circus. Uh, and then right. in the big climactic, horrifying uh, home invasion scene, the tiger is what uh, stops the bad guys not a gun That's, in the book. That makes sense. Chekhov's Tiger. I understand why it's not in the movie. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> if in 1991, without CGI to aid her, Barbara Streisand executed a scene in which three sexual assailants were who mauled... escaped from prison. Who escaped from prison. Mm -hmm. Were mauled to death by a tiger, which must have been a combination of a man in a suit, a puppet... <laughs> And animatronics. It's pretty good. I, like I that's what it would have been. Like if that's in the movie, are we bumping it up a star? I think if so. If there's a tiger attack sequence. And as you say, a dramatic tiger dramatic. attack sequence. Extremely during dramatic. The darkest moment in the movie. Yes. The riskiest sort of part of the movie. It's like, let's add another layer of risk. I think it would have took me out of the scene. Oh, you oh wait a second. Yeah, sure? a man in a tiger suit. Even if they'd had like one guy mentioned before, like, and he had a tiger one time. I'm sure that won't come up again. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be distracting. Ben, you were saying you watched this movie this morning and it put you in your feelings. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as someone who has therapy tomorrow, mm. you know, and has been going to therapy for a long time now, I uh, I had some issues with the portrayal of <laughs> the patient That's and normal. therapist relationship. What? what doesn't feel ethical about this relationship? Well, technically, he's not her Your patient. Your therapist has I never think. thrown a dictionary yeah. at you? No, she's never and then made taken me you to bleed. like fucking the finest French bistro. <laughs> and then made you raise her song. No. <laughs> no. She's never done that to me. You're never, your therapist never literally makes you play daddy? <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. What do you know about football? You're like, nothing. And she's like, yeah, but you know, come on. You're a guy. You could coach my son. Definitely no, he's a not. football coach. Oh, no, you're talking I, about Ben. Not just, okay, it's just right. the idea. Yeah. Um, it's like, a, I don't know, a real reminder of how over time you start to really unpack your life with someone and how deep and heavy it can get. And uh, that scene in particular is just really traumatic. It is. Yeah. I, I, I'm sort of proud of the movie for not... Because apparently the original draft that mm -hmm. Pat Conroy wrote basically mm -hmm. did not include that. Yeah. It's maybe just like, a you know, recollection, maybe just talking. Right. Yeah. I do think it's bold. You know, Streisand was like, no, no, no. Like, this is the this is the big thing. This is the thing that's haunted this entire family. Like, right. it has to be depicted. It's It's intense. And you can just tell this movie is built around a big thing. You know this film is steering towards unpacking some trauma yeah, that he's been... Hints. Brushing off the whole time. Right. Something affected like, him. Right. Like anytime anyone says like, hey, what about this word? And he's like, what are you talking about? I got to go. <laughs> I hate words. <laughs> Hold on. I got to grab something with my hands. <laughs> 
you remember the word? What? I forgot it. Kalenwald. That's the uh, prison. Yeah, that's yes. that, yeah. So it's in, like someone says Azkaban. He's like, ah, get out of here. Yeah, basically. I'm not afraid of Dementis. Serious black. <laughs> the real trauma, though, is it's not just the event. It's that they can't talk about it. Yeah. Right. It's, that is so devastating. It's the emotional repression. Right. Yeah. And, and he has some line of like, dad comes home, they're eating dinner. The silence was yeah. worse than what happened mm -hmm. to him. And like, they've all that dealt with crushes it. me. Yeah. yeah, they've all dealt with it in different ways of yeah. not dealing with it. Right? right, they've all run away with let's, it. Let's from just it let's just directions. say it was the the father is out. Three men who escape from prison enter their house, sexually assault him, his mother, his sister. His brother comes with a shotgun, fights off two of them. Yes. His mother stabs the third one. He does nothing. No, right. his character does yeah. nothing. Yeah, uh, and feels guilt over. And that. he's like. Not I mean, in the in the movie, he's like twelve, maybe. Yeah, he's. A, he's I think a in the kid. book, he's a little bit older, but yeah, like yeah. the, the self blaming that you know is not warranted. Well, when he starts recounting, I know we're jumping way ahead in the plot, but we have to sort of talk around that. When he first starts recounting it, he recounts it as if he was just passively standing by and not doing anything yeah. to defend them. Yeah, right. And then he finally kind of admits that he was assaulted himself. Um, but then, as you said, Ben, like in the wake of that, the mother's response is, "Okay, let's bury them in the backyard." Yeah. So part of the trauma is the kids have to bury these dead bodies. Com commit a crime, and, not call and the police. Never tell and then we never bodies. talk yes. about this to anyone under any circumstances. We never talk about it with each other. Mm -hmm. Done. And it's just like suppress it. Um, you know the movie is like dancing around a thing that big. And that first sequence in, in the therapy when he like tells the story and it's horrible but they're not showing a lot of it mm -hmm. and she said like why why didn't you do anything and he goes like i don't know and she goes like that's a child's answer and then they start cutting back and placing him in it that's the moment where as you said david i was like i'm impressed that they're doing this i'm impressed that this is part of the movie that they are somehow towing a line of it not feeling too unbearably i don't know these things are always like how do you put them on screen without them with feeling, feeling sensitive and upsetting yeah. at the same time? I felt like I saw more of that scene than I expected to yes. or want. It doesn't feel exploitative exactly, but it feels like it's like you could have stopped three more steps earlier in the process of watching this child be assaulted. Yes, but it it is more emotionally graphic than it is visually graphic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. But the point of this whole movie, let's let's just say to go all the way back to the beginning, is that he's got this marriage clearly on the fritz with a woman he doesn't really know how to communicate with anymore. Yes, he doesn't know how to communicate with anyone. He's struggling in the wake of his brother's death. He's, he's lost his job. He's in a bad place in his life. But like right. a guy who surface level is living in a Barbara Streisand movie, is beautifully lit. James Newton Howard right. score behind him. He's got a he's beautiful house on the beach. Linen. He's running around with his three daughters. Beautiful kids, Gorgeous beautiful daughters. wife. Right. He's, you know, six foot 12. Right. And like, you know, <laughs> as broad as a boat. But it's, real blonde. It's, but it's like all surface level charm. Right. He's right? like, ah, you crazy kids. Right. I'm the, doing great. And the guy is truly charming. Like mm -hmm. he pulls so off charming. Don't say specific words to me. But he pulls off the charm here much better than he does and I'll do anything. Well, I mean, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is so unbelievably charming in this yes. movie, I think. It's it's you it's uh, it's Forky was one over. Yeah. She was like, people sexiest man alive, get out of here. But she was like, I cannot deny. What a force of personality. Yes. Well, it's, what's incredible about this performance is that you're like, 
I I actually I like this guy a lot. He makes me feel comfortable. I enjoy him. I can tell he's hiding something. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of actors would overplay the trauma rather than having it pop out at moments would have them feel burdened and shadowed the whole time in a way where it's like, no, this guy's good at suppressing it. Yeah. Well, Other the, than when he's then when not. he tells the story, and then for the first couple of minutes, he's like, "I feel okay, actually. I feel I'm gonna great. walk around a lot." Well, like, what were you gonna say? Well, well, the charm, the the charm is part of the defense. Like, he's yes. making all of these jokes and being like light, and he talks about that being like the southern way, where you make jokes about it, and you don't talk about it. Is that the southern way? I've I've, I've pondered this myself really since thinking that, that. Hard, and I'm like, I know. I wish I had the confidence of Pat Connery to be like, "This is what they do in the south, and this is what they don't do in the south," because I don't. I cannot decide that for myself. But I think for this character and many people who I have known in real life, where it's, mm -hmm. you make jokes about it, you move on, you like hide it in plain sight. And then you get someone like Barbara Streisand to be like, actually, we're going to unpack this. And watching that crumble is part of what makes the performance so great. Like you have that balance in that in Nick Nolte. He's very good. He was nominated for an Academy Award. His Griffin. first. His first out of just two noms. Three. Three, what's the third? This Affliction oh, Warrior. He did get the Affliction nom. I couldn't remember if it was just Coburn. Yeah. Coburn, who outgraveled him in that one. Yeah. He I brought would, a 10-pound bag of gravel, and Coburn <laughs> brought a truck. I would argue... <laughs> yes. I, I, I love Coburn. Sure. And yeah. I'm very happy he got a career win. Yeah. That's what that was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's he is good in Affliction. Yeah. I, I personally would have given supporting actor that year to Nolte in Thin Red Line. He's so good at Thin Red Line. He, he is awesome at Thin Red Line. And I think at that point in the 90s, it's like, well, Nolte's like entering his peak period. We'll plenty of He's going to keep this. stacking up the noms. Yeah. yeah. And then when he gets his warrior nom, that almost feels like a tip of the cap of like, you dug yourself out of the hole, mm -hmm. right. but we're not going to give you a fucking win well, for I would have given, he, he gets my win that year. He should have won for warrior. Who did he lose yeah. to for warrior? Who did he lose to? Probably some fucking asshole. Was warrior like 2008? I'm seeing like like that? 2011, I think. Lost to some fucking <laughs> asshole <laughs> for <laughs> some piece of dog shit? Coburn beats Harris, which is maybe yes. a tough loss for Jeffrey Harris. Jeffrey Russian. Shakespeare in Love. Great performance. But, or the other two that year. Well, Thornton in Simple Plan, who's incredible. Incredible. But had just won an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Robert Duvall in A Civil Action, who's actually huh? really, really good. Duvall, can't um, get away from him. But that's a, that's a nom performance. That's you a, know, like, you know, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. That's as a, a the fun camera. movie, but yeah. yeah. Supporting actor the in Warrior. The Warrior Year goes to Plumber for Beginners, which is another uh, like Nolte. They're like, Nolte, yeah. you're a baby compared to this man. We <laughs> yeah. have to get an Oscar in his hands. We're definitely not going to have another chance. No, and and we didn't. were talking about they it. did. What do you mean Plumber then went on to get like eight more noms? Oh, God, you're already too. Yeah. yeah. But well, he already had the Oscar. Yeah, I know. But Plumber actually had tons of runway is what <laughs> yes. I'm saying. He was about to enter his, <laughs> yes. his dominant 80s. Yes. Uh, no, it, it is weird how those things balance out. But yeah, Nolte's like now overdue. Well, he's very overdue. I don't think it, I just think it's he 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 lost the Oscar to Anthony Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Uh and Anthony Hopkins is in The Silence of the Lambs. Mm. And that's a movie I love. Yes. And it's a performance I think is quite iconic. I don't uh, know if you would agree. I I think that performance is a little sticky. <laughs> oh, sticky? Yeah. I think you it's think stuck. That the culture has, has has some resonance yeah. these it's had days. A little bit of resonance. But like Nolte won Lafka. Los Angeles critics and mm -hmm. he was the runner up for New York and national like mm -hmm. he was I think the he's winning in most years yeah this yeah. is like a giant performance from yes. a movie star yeah 
He cries. I mean, it's laden with Oscar clips if yes. you want to be yeah. like, you know, craving about it. Or no, I, I, I had the how did he not win until I looked it up and it's like, oh, it's one of those years yeah, where it's it's you don't stand a fucking chance. But yeah. like this is the first time I realized why people maybe were mad about Hopkins. The supporting as quote unquote a category fraud. Screen right. time thing. Yeah. Which I don't think it is, but I just, you that know. That argument only comes into play. It's a spread the wealth thing at a certain yeah. point. Right. Yeah. I love that Nolte and De Niro are nominated in the same category for yeah. you know, the, the Cape Fear reunion. That's but the for other thing. Movies. Like Nolte's also running with the heat of Cape Fear mm-hmm. on this nomination, which he's very good in Cape Fear. He is. He's very good in Cape Fear. Yeah. Um. He just there's just very there's a showier performance in that movie. Are we going to talk about Oscars now, or do you want to talk about let's more of the movie? Yeah, let's go back to the movie. All right, uh, so gets yeah, a phone call. he gets the phone call. Your sister tried to kill herself again, not just or, once. Or rather, the mother the is the one. Yeah, she yeah, shows up. Yeah. Okay, no, Mom, what are you up. doing here? Oh, God, she's coming. I got to get out of here. Her, no like, one say that word. Old Southern lady jacket and pearls. She looks just like my grandmother did mm-hmm. in 1991. Yes. So A+. plus. And she's definitely a, like no feelings allowed mom. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, yeah. The, the physical transformation is like 10% greater than the quick change they would do backstage in a Broadway show. <laughs> in a way, I think it's like kind of important for like Streisand being like, this is the tone of this movie. Yeah. This is the pitch of this film. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, look, your sister once again has attempted suicide. It's sort of crucial that it's like this has happened before. Yes. Uh, so that feels And this like is your problem to deal with. A huge emergency, obviously. So he has to go to New York yeah. City. Right. To stay in her beautiful apartment in Soho. Right. Steps from the Atlantic office. Yeah, where I, I would, work. Of course, you know exactly they where that is. They hit that shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's Barbara. So I assume she doesn't even need permits. She just no. walks on the streets of New York. So <laughs> people do traffic stops. Yes. Holds and up a Grammy just to get her right. to stop. And it's Prince and Thompson. And I'm like, shit, this is a block from my office. I wonder. And I look. Everything is different now, except yeah. for Emino Deli, mm. which are a million shots outside, which is yeah. still there. God yeah. bless Emino Deli. Yeah. Wow. They have a great egg and cheese. Hey. Everything else is different. Uh, okay. The street shots are amazing because there's a kid on a skateboard in mm-hmm. the background of every single shot on the sidewalk in New York City. 1991, baby. There's uh, the one crane shot with the fire hydrant and the kids playing in yeah. it. It's just a crane shot in Grand Central. I'm like, who let her bring a crane into Grand Central? <laughs> Barbara. There's also, like, beep, beep. when he first gets out of the taxi, he's in a traffic jam and there's this lady going, I got a doctor's appointment. I'm like, yes, we're in New York. Yeah. Uh, we are in New York. Uh, and of course, his sister lives in every New York sitcom. Her neighbor is, George Carlin is her swishy, gay, friendly neighbor. He's always one. popping by to, you know, steal some sugar or whatever. He's Goodness, he right? I, I mean, it's love it's, him in this. Like, he showed up, and I went like, "Is this is this gonna not look? Is this gonna good? feel a little like eh, you know, like you know?" Right, but, but no, he's he good. Plays this very. He's well. got such a wonderful face. Yes, yeah. uh, and he really feels like someone who's a little sad, mm-hmm. but also like really funny and really clever, and like you know what I mean. Like, and he just kind of has the right it's feel. Weird how well the sort of like George Carlin like bleeding heart cynicism right mm-hmm. right right i'm just like i hate the fucking yeah, when, way the world he's is on structured. advertising is lying to you <laughs> right and then when it's like hey george you want to play a role in like a fictional thing it's yeah. like okay uh, can i be the conductor for a fictional train maybe with a face on it but like weirdly his his onstage energy which is damped down in this right definitely transmutes bizarrely well to someone who survived the aids crisis yeah Ah. This feeling of like, I think like the New York artsy uh, gay community survivor who's had to like use humor 
as a defense mechanism to survive. When he the, walks like, into the apartment, yes, he's really nice to Nolte, to Wingo, Tom. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, your sister. And it's like, you're like, oh, this isn't some afterthought to him. He cares about no. her too, but he's very used to yes. darkness. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. and his relationship George with- George Carlin Oscar nom? I mean, the first scene, I was like, how did he not? And then he's not in a ton of it. Yeah. yeah. But like Nolte's relationship with him, because he goes on to be like, I'm a Southerner. I'll you know, scratch my armpits and eat berries. But like his, <laughs> him, him immediately- It's <laughs> about the bare necessities. His relationship with Carlin's character, you're just like, oh, this guy's like, you know, I mean, I guess you're like, oh, is he going to be homophobic? And like, right. it just kind of gets rid of that really quickly where yes. he's like, yeah, he's he can get along with everybody, oh, yeah. including he's, this lovely neighbor. He's, yeah, he's got a, a cosmopolitan streak in him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he likes it. He likes going to Manhattan. He likes it. He likes to bitch about it, but he <laughs> likes it. Love to see him on the C train, you know, just having fun. Taking up so much space. What are you doing, seats. buddy? Yeah, right. He sits in one of the two-seaters <laughs> and somehow fills it. you Clinton. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Who's conducting this train? My fucking mother. <laughs> so he goes to see Dr. Susan Lowenstein, uh -huh. who lives in a mahogany fortress. <laughs> yes. Somewhere on fucking Park Avenue. Yes, or a wood prison. <laughs> With the coffee bar that pops out of the wall, like the classiest Look, thing I've ever a, it's, seen. It's a lovely office. It looks like she just has a like acre like lawn and like out her window. Yeah, she's got like, like a balcony the, the that you see she? Like, throw a wedding on. City? Yes. Yes. She's in Central Park. Yeah, somehow. that's what I was gonna say. And she charges, I Googled the inflation, she charges $375 an hour. It's not like it's she's not even like charging a adjusted for inflation like oh, oh, a thousand dollars an hour it's a lot of money but you're saying there are far you, more you hear outrageous. about therapists yes. these days who charge 375 an hour it's not well, like maybe that's her know. daily rate in the sense that she's seeing him every single day well, <laughs> whereas like true. once a week maybe yeah. she charges a little more they're also doing 18 hour sessions <laughs> she's <laughs> billing him for and then she comes to football practice too yes. she bills for that right, she right. just she must have a sliding scale because like you know, Tom's sister, Savannah, you know, she's a poet who lives in like a Soho one bedroom. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. in 1991, like, I can't imagine she's flush, right? Like, no, it's sort of surprising also, that she's right. seizing Nolte seizing comes in, sees the... Uh, the scene actually says, like, I got assigned to her or something, right? Like, I, I took up this sure. relatively recently. Yeah. There's some sort of contrivance like that to explain why she wouldn't know much. But Nolte sees her husband walking out, not knowing it's her husband, and goes like, oh, shrink to the stars. Like, has this attitude right, of her right. being this sort of fancy luxury kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she... Should see some fancy clients. Yeah. In an office like that, you got yeah. it. Who was fancy in nineteen? This is the thing I want to dig into a little bit, okay? Because, uh -huh. like, the, the reframing of this being, taking this book and turning it so much into the Lowenstein love story, a movie that ends with him repeating her name over and over again. Yes. Which The Simpsons parodied, and when I was a kid, I was like, well, this is a parody. And then you watch the movie, and you're like, oh, no, they just did the movie. They just did right. the thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, much like Angela Bassett, they just did the thing. They just did. Yeah. <laughs> Simpsons also had the iconic Cape Fear parody. They really had they the did. 1991 they, Oscars yeah, they locked fucking, down. You're right. Yeah. Well, because Nolte was on the writing staff that year. <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. Gamble Prof. He actually Nolte. just kept leaving scripts around by mistake. He was pitching other stuff. <laughs> Homer, Homer should go to space, <laughs> which he did. Marnie buys a snowplow. <laughs> <laughs> He's the, the plow king. 
Um, <laughs> the, the thing I was What's gonna, your point about Lowenstein? Well, okay. So it's like, right. There's the view of like, she she heard there was a book with a beautiful Jewish woman in it and said, sure. I must adapt this and she must become the co-lead, right? Although she's very much the secondary lead. Yes. yes. Yeah. The other way of thinking about this is like, does this movie really kind of, is this a more normalizing view of therapy than is happening in any other like kind of big budget Hollywood I film? I don't know. It's a good question. Especially for a movie that is about like a tough man. Yeah. That I mean, allows him to like break down and be sensitive in a way. It's not as sensitive as say and analyze this, which is of mm. course the apex of sensitivity. But that comes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that comes later. Sopranos comes later. No, no. I, I was joking about analyze this. Um, I'm trying to think. You're. It's a good point. I assume the 80s is where you start to see talk therapy more regularly beyond yes. like a Woody allen kind well, of. Well, this is yeah. what know. I'm saying. When you move it outside of like the neurotics, right? And right, it happening exactly. in like a comedic sphere, yeah. right? Yeah. I or it happening with people who are just like movies about mental I mean, illness. Ordinary this is a People is a pretty crucial oh, talk yeah. therapy yeah. movie. Yeah, okay. No, no, That's huge. 10 years earlier. Huge. Which but sort that, of has a similar tone to yeah. this mm-hmm. of like, let's talk. But I think that's also a movie that's like... In a room. Right. I think that's a movie where it's like, this is a problem movie. This is right. about, like, mm-hmm. the, the trauma is on the surface from the beginning of that movie, really? whereas this is like, you have to break this guy down. Richard. And it's about a kid as opposed to, like, yes. big, strong, brawny football playing adult. Ben, what do you want to say? What's with the laying down stuff? Oh, you mean, like, in a like classic, like, Freudian, like, lay on this Because they reference it yeah. in this movie. It's You've seen it a million times. It's such a trope. I've never once ever laid down in I therapy. I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine doing it. It'd be no. so weird. The My, classic thing was that you yeah. didn't even look at your that's psychiatrist. The yeah. Your psychiatrist right. was sitting next to you, but you couldn't see them because you're staring into space. That's the logic and your behind it, is that notes. people are like, I'd rather just stare at the ceiling because I'll feel more comfortable rather right. than admitting yeah. the stuff while staring stuff. someone in the eyes. But to me, that's the harder thing to process. Well, I, but I think it's also some people are like, you cannot project onto me. We are not going to have a, you know, relationship that's like friends. We're not like, going right? to have an ordinary people moment. Right. It's going to be the yeah. more cold, like analytical, like you will pour your psyche out to me and I will then be like, uh, my analysis is you don't like your mother. That'll be $1 million. <laughs> to do an 80s joke about therapy. Yes. Yeah. Um, that but, is what the, his answer in Prince of Tides, though. He doesn't like his mother. Ordinary people uh, is yeah, obviously was, huge. See, I mom, think, mom or dad. It's one or the other. I think the difference, though, is that, yes, it's like it's a kid. It's someone who's new to movies. You're not like playing with someone's established movie star persona yeah. in the same way, right? It's like a more smaller, intimate, quieter film, even though it was obviously a big, big deal. Yeah. But it's also like it's foregrounding the problem. Whereas this movie does the sideways thing of like his sister's got problems. Mm-hmm. Here's this guy who seems so charming and put together. He's going to talk to her therapist. I'm not a patient. I'm not a patient. Right. I'm right. just here to talk about it's my sister. It's never official. It's all I'm here to help. Right. right. Yes. It sort of like tricks you, the audience, into seeing like, oh, maybe people who think they don't need therapy could benefit from yeah. therapy. But it's, but it's also tricking Lowenstein within totally. the movie to be more personal with him and open up with him and maybe, you know, beat him with a dictionary if he's being annoying. And, yeah, You know, sleep with you him know, when the moment's sleep, right. Sleep with him, you know, upstate, maybe a picnic-y kind of sex thing. Some I good, just think it's like suits involved. Mm-hmm. I think it's a key men having feelings movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, and 100%. I just think there's something so radical about having Nick Nolte go through this. Yeah. Which she knows, which she is what knows. she's doing. I mean, to the point that it's almost cliched now, you know, like where you're like, ah, the big, the big strong man can have feelings too. But at yeah. the time, I'm sure it felt pretty radical. Like this happens so goodwill hunting can happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, this is a better but movie that's, than that's Goodwill a great hunting. example. Is that controversial? Ooh, interesting. I, I I'm not a huge fan of Goodwill. I like Goodwill Hunting a lot. I mean, I, I like I look Goodwill Hunting as a big old ball of cheese for me to have a great time snacking on. I just have never thought that it's like a profound movie. No, but I think it's like kind of <gasps> excellent. It's like great old school Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But it's like, even oh, though it was made you in You can tell he's level. a genius because he writes math on the wall. <laughs> I just want Robin Williams' character to be my friend. Yeah. He's very good. Yeah. Very good. He, I think about that You found Robin Williams likable on screen? I got to see about a girl, David. And I'm going to leave the episode. Right? <laughs> it has like 18 lines like that, which I that's like. My th- I yeah. mean, I'm like, that's a movie where if you describe it, it sounds so bonkers. Oh, and when yeah. I watch it, I totally fall under its spell. And I don't question. I know it's become right. sort of more acceptable to go like fucking Goodwill Hunting. I, I never was, liked it. Yeah, I think it was kind of acceptable at the time. And then, you know, everyone who loved it when it came out sort of got older and was like, no, we love Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, and now the, maybe. And the Ben and Matt, like they've yeah. gone up yeah, and down so many times. Really? What, what were you about to say about it, Katie? Um, what was I about to say about it? Oh, when you hear about what the original script was, where yes. you're just like, Jesus, why is this a good movie? Like, right. how did they manage to pull something out oh, from what Ben and Matt the originally CIA, wrote? Right, yeah. right, right. Do you know that? No. That their movie was about, like, and then the CIA recruits him. There was, like, a whole what? fourth <laughs> act that was, like, an act. Because they thought, like, that it was needed a to have a spy thriller. thriller. Oh, that's and they showed so to people, dumb. and they yeah, were like, what so the dumb. fuck are you talking about? Just have the kids stay in therapy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that actually turned into totally. such yeah. a good movie. I think us fans say it kind of comes in this is like, let's steer yeah, this that's why in people another direction. Long, right, thought that, you know, they they got help or whatever, right. you know, William Goldman. But, but that's what Goldman said. Goldman said, I didn't rewrite I like, it. I just told them act, fucking right. drop all that shit. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, yeah. But, but like Prince of Tides, I watch and I never stop thinking about how bonkers it is. Yeah. Woo! Pretty crazy. I, there's so much in the soup in Prince of Tides, whereas like Goodwill Hunting, for all its flaws, you're like it's it's getting you from A to B. And right. Good, Prince of Tides is a lot too. I fall under the hunting. spell. What apples? And how how fun. do you like them? <laughs> On a plate, slice. Oh wow! <laughs> in a salad, Fancy Sims over here <laughs> slicing up his apples. Up his apples. Than, I do like to cut up an apple, but you know why? It's not fanciness. I just like to sort of dole out the apple. Be like, oop. Another little Sorry, slice. I like to feel but it in my brown. hands. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Oh, yes. Okay, but do you slice them for your daughter brown. too? Like are you I doing, do slice them. Yeah, my so then, yeah. Apple, apple. Yeah, when I'm slicing apples for kids, it's like, oh, fine, I get some too. Well, that's true. Yeah. And also, I slice the skins off, and then I just eat the skins because oh. she doesn't want the skin. Eat the skins. Well, yeah. Well, so, come a, on, we're a lot in our session here today, David. <laughs> oh. I would have David, to, do you want to lay down and we want to <laughs> yeah. dig into that a little I'd love bit to more? Lay down. One Sims, three Lowensteins. Can I lay down and maybe like close my eyes and you know have a blanket over me and like maybe the room's really dark and I sort of fall asleep? Oh, you just want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> just be, if I do talk therapy, but then I'm just like, yeah, I got I got plenty to say. You know, after 45 minutes, she's like, all right, well, you gotta go. You slept. So they start doing these non-sessions. Yeah. They fight. He's like, Lowen, let me ask you a question. Yeah. She's married to a concert uh, concert violinist who's not very nice to her. Right. Is he based on somebody? Is there someone I should know that like I would recognize a famous violinist walking out of someone's office? Like no, but I think it's more that in in 1991 there were still various famous classical musicians. Right. There's think, not a lot of them anymore. All I can think of was like Pavarotti, maybe. No. Like no, but you're like he's, he's is he like the Yo-Yo Ma of yeah, violin? Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Is he like the Barishnikov of violin mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. Like, you know, like. 
Itzhak Perlman, right? right. I mean, I recognize Yitzhak Perlman if I saw him. Sure, he'd probably have a fucking violin <laughs> under his chin. <laughs> certain, but right, your early nineties, there were still like caviar celebrities. <laughs> the idea that he Nolte knows who he is is not implausible to me in nineteen ninety one. Right, it would feel like more of a stretch now, maybe. Yes, yeah. but he's like, oh, you ain't dating this guy. Oh yeah. I well, know him. It's again a way to make him seem like a you know special educated person, even sure. though he's got this like hick upbringing. Yeah, um, but I'm sure how the things stack. Don't try. Just 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 explore the various Go strands. Along with the tide. But I don't think you can't lay this out really easily. You know, I mean, the various plots are him and Lowenstein mm-hmm. uh, exploring his trauma. He tells, helping his sister, and yes. then they fuck. Like, it's very, like, one, two, three. Like, they do not get together until the last act. Until the very, very... Well, there, there's the Renata Halpern segment of it, which is very strange. They, like, re, you know, reveal she's written these books under a pseudonym, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and he's horrified, and he can't believe this would ever happen. And Some it, act of disassociation, perhaps. Yeah, it's just a weird, like, you a, think they've cracked the code, but, like, well, it doesn't really matter. he's just upset that she might have revealed their dark secret. I think that's really what that is. Sure. Yeah, because the children's book he finds is like kind of inspired by the dark secret. Is that a bigger part of the book? Kind of, but the the whole time it's happening, you're like, why why are we going? It's another way for the book to kind of be like, we're building up to a thing. And in the movie, Nolte's performance gets you so much of that, which actually works really well. Right. You don't need it kind of seated. Yeah. And you also, I mean, there's that's like, she's like, yeah, your sister wrote something about like, Three black dogs, and I was like, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. I hate the number three. <laughs> Did you see JFK? You think Stone's a crackpot? He's just like changing the subject. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. I see it's the beginning of a Disney Renaissance. <laughs> a golden age for the studio. Can the like, law keep its streak up at the Emmys? <laughs> I'm trying to think of 1991. <laughs> go ahead sorry there's a neat filmmaking thing that she does with the flashbacks because like so much of him being like well then there is this time that my dad ate dog food and then there was this time and then the, the rich man beat hit me in the face and my mom married him and they link it she links it to things that are happening in the present with him cooking mm-hmm. food or with him going to his kid's birthday party that I think works really nicely because all those flashbacks would feel really disjointed unless she found that filmmaking way around it yes yeah I agree with that yeah uh, the dog food scene is Oh, pretty wild. It's wild for just like toss that in as a scene. Uh-huh. But I guess that's the magic of the Prince of Tides. Yeah, the dad complains that the food sucks, so she goes in. What's and the dish that she made? I hash and, hash and rice, like like barbecue, like you know, p- shredded pork and rice, basically. Okay. So you can. That sounds great. I know it would be good if it were dog food. <laughs> Maybe it would be good with dog food. I don't know. I think that dog food looks. Good. Is that insane? She puts when Worcestershire. I, she I mean, puts she's onions. Sauteing it. I'm just like oh, kind of hungry. <laughs> the flashbacks are few and far between. It's dog food. It's really the 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 assault and then the rich guy. Is there anything? Is that the else order major? really? Yeah, the rich guy's late. He maybe, well, no, but he, but he goes, so the rich guy leads to him then reuniting with his mother in the present day. You have Kate Nelligan yes, back in the makeup. True. Where there's the giant oil painting of but her that's now in the house. I think when he's reunited with her, he is now told the story to... Or he's telling her he's going to tell the story, I think. Yeah, yes, maybe that's, that's him. And, and then like the next session. Right, 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 right. you're, you're building up to that yeah, point for sure. Uh, there's the, the Kate Nelligan flashback where she tells him that he's her favorite son. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal is that she said that same thing to yeah. all sure. of the, the kids. The kid in that yeah. flashback that's had that's such a parenting. like... That's good parenting. He has such an early 90s haircut in that scene. Did you guys, he has like really yeah. spiky in the front. It's yes. like, ah. Oh. 
Barbara, why'd you let that one go by? Wow, he, yeah. he looks like uh, one of Tim the Toolman Taylor's kids. <laughs> he, I was going to say, Taylor he's got Thomas. a home improvement haircut. But uh, I thought that her return scene in that fancy house, I thought was pretty good. It is good. It's yeah. it's just it's so like Griffin's saying, like stagey theatery, like mom with no feelings. Who's yeah. like, well, I drink your tea. I don't want to talk yeah. about any of that, you know. And her husband just being like, yeah, we make money here in the money factory. <laughs> I don't know who makes it or where it goes. And I don't care to know. We got a long history of money making. Fame, like, the, 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 no, no offense to the South, but uh, the thing in the South where they're like, ah, we have a long tradition. I'm like, you don't have any fucking laundry. You've been here like a hundred <laughs> years, you cunts. All right, England. David, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you came over and like, oh, we've always done this. I'm like, you've done this for like five minutes. Fucking built one big house, you idiots. I've never seen anyone serve iced tea out of that big, like, silver pot Th that, that she's that serving out like of. That felt like a hat on a hat. That's <laughs> like, what's the richest vessel that sweet tea I'm can be put I'm trying to think of, like, rich whatever? people I've seen with tea. I still don't think they've done that. We here in this family, we have a long tradition of minting NFTs. <laughs> been doing it for a long this time. This mine's been running since 2019. <laughs> and then, so you have some side plots. Mm-hmm. Which are, well, mostly it's Jason Gold. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who is a surly only child of the Lowenstein. So uh, I'm, I'm coming to this and I'm putting knowledge Union. and context on this, right? Yes. Knowing that. Uh, uh, Jason Gould was forcibly outed, I think, by yes. a newspaper or a tabloids. Yes. In when 1991. Oh, wow. When this film came out. And knowing that was a big deal, right? And I'm watching these scenes of him being like, please teach me how to play football, mm. right? And I am projecting- oh, Initially, he's like, I don't care. I don't want to learn, right? But then, well, yeah. that Right, that attitude, right? I'm projecting onto this a childhood of many older men trying to teach me to play sports so I would be picked on less. Right, and then instead you're like, well, but this guy's dad was fucking Elliot Gould. Right. Yeah, but okay, go ahead. No, no, I'm saying my childhood. Oh, your childhood Like, the that. scenes uh -huh. where I'm watching Jason Gould and Nick Nolte run football, I'm like, this reminds me of most of my childhood of people just trying to teach me how to catch a ball uh -huh. so I would get picked on less. I me mean, being like, I don't care. I want to move to the point in my life where I don't have to do this anymore. Right. And knowing that he is gay, I was just like, this feels like some weird thing of like the mom hiring a tough man to toughen up her son. Uh. And then this is me obviously putting my own shit on it. And then like the reveal that it is, oh, he is a good violinist. His right. parents want him to be a sophisticated artist or his dad does at least. It's just really funny because it's, this is the reverse plot. Exactly. Usually it's like, Oh, I wish I could go to Tanglewood. My true, you know, passion is the <laughs> right. arts. And the dad's like, no, son, you're a tight end, okay? That's, that's You're going back to old Miss with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> that I just came to it being like, this is like an imposition. It's just so funny that this and he's like, own crap secret. being like, no, he's off to tangle. It's right. off to tangle. <laughs> Don't tell my dad, but I want to be tough. <laughs> right, right. Is what this plot line is. Nolte seems like a great football coach. Unbelievable. Yes. I mean, if he was barking at me, I'd just I would knocking be the kid down it. in the yeah. park every yes. day. Yeah. Which they, you know, it's it's kind of like the big uh, catharsis of this movie is him being like, you should coach again. Yes, and, yeah. and you'll be happy and if you teach, coach again. He's teaching. Literature, yeah, but um, no, and but I mean, he's throughout this movie, he's a good parent, yes, like mm -hmm. in that kind of way of like he's clearly permissive and he has this kind of like you know, kids are kids, like they're he's, gonna want to do fun things. dad and she has to do bath time, like she, has, she has to be the cop, that's for sure. But still, like when Gould is giving him guff, 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't take it personally. He knows this is a teenager. Mm-hmm. He can tell. He fucking one look at him. He's clearly 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and like, 15. uh, and you know, he's just like, that's okay. That's what kids are supposed to do. That's what teenagers are supposed to do. And you're like, he's, he's clearly not sublimated his trauma into like bad parenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's a very accepting parent. And he really wants to not be like his dad. Right. Yeah. Um, which and, he's succeeding to I mean there's the scene on the boat it's really good yeah. where he's trying to connect with his dad and his dad's like look the Braves beat the Dodgers or whatever well, he says yeah. the, like, the, the girls dad. love their granddad right and his response is Braves beat the Dodgers which like, you know good yeah. for them right we do e- have to even now having <laughs> we, we like, have no choice but to stand the Braves <laughs> even now having grandchildren who like all the Braves they are, yeah, <laughs> they it's, are. A, it's the most embarrassing yeah. team in baseball huh. go ahead no like even now that he's like it feels like his demons have settled a bit and the granddaughters love him unconditionally, and he doesn't have the weight of actually being a parent. He still tripping. can't engage with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's uh, Brad Sullivan, by the way, who is like, he's like the the, the goon in Slapshot. Yes, he's a, he's a gangster in The Sting. He's mm-hmm. a mobster in The Untouchables. He's great face. Yes, great playing like a nasty guy. Yeah. But that's another thing that feels like with the focus on the romance, like the dad is not really present in the movie at all. No. He's a he's a big jerk. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah, is, uh, you know, right. Not seen until this fancy party near the end. Uh, fucking, you know, Nolte puts on his seersucker suit or whatever. <laughs> oh, I meant I meant uh, Tom's dad. But yes, both yeah. him oh, and Tom's Bernard Woodruff. Both. Yeah, sure. But yeah, no, Woodruff, you know, the Jerome Krabby. Yeah. Krabby? Not knowing what the the trauma was at the center of the story, I was like, it's got to be something with the dad. They're holding the dad back for the big thing. You're right. You assume it's going to be like, you don't understand my dad was actually like, Right, you know, abusing the family, and yeah. instead it's like, no, he was actually not even part of this. (laughs) He didn't know. He never knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, do people have dinner parties like this in New York, or did they in 1991? I had one of these. I mean, look. I lived in New York I for a long time. I always have a two million Stradivarius. I always. kept waiting always. for someone to invite me to one of these parties, and I yeah. never did. And I don't know what I did. You wrong. always you have to invite your mistress <laughs> and have her play the piano, wearing like the tightest dress well, possible. So, and, and, and I, I, I don't I'll, insist on inviting give, give my notes. mistress, but sure. someone has to invite a mistress. <laughs> yes, I just need there to be tension. <laughs> yes, right. You just need there to be ooh the potentials. Right, yeah. like, and don't you know. ignore the wife. In fact, note her. <laughs> <laughs> Call her out. Across course, a very long table, like the yes. longest table he you can find. His mistress, uh-huh. and you know, Streisand is bringing Nolte. I think, kind of as a sort of like you know, a reverse card in Uno. Yeah, because she reveals to him at that party. He's like, "Yeah, I think he's fucking the piano player." <laughs> uh, you didn't like that, Ben? No, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, great. All my metaphors now will be Uno related. Really good. <laughs> um, but and Nolte, yeah, they're not together yet, right? Because Nolte reveals to Lowenstein. I'm mixing character and real actor. But he reveals to her that Blythe Danner's having an affair before she reveals that she's married to... Before she reveals that she's married. And right. then she only later reveals that she is uh, right. suspicious So of he thinks affairs. there's a flirtation yes. going on, then finds out she's married, then finds out who it is, then gets invited to this party. And then Lowenstein is finally like, he's fucking the penis. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you um, see her, you, there's a shot of her beforehand where she's like looking, like gazing at the husband and you're like, why are we looking at her? And you're like, aha, <laughs> Barbara knows. And then finally, like, I mean, yes, there's the possum breath cocksucker scene. <laughs> but like finally, like two hours in, maybe yes. an hour 50. Yeah. Like it's deep it's into the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They consummate their affair. Yeah. And 
I think it, I realized later, like it's like two months of time passes. Yeah, it's sure. like a summer. Like this isn't like a hot weekend. Like yeah. one 15 minute montage. Right. Mm -hmm. Of him, of them going upstate to her other perfect like house. Like a two yeah. month lost weekend. Uh, right. Where yeah. he's clearly like, maybe I just stay here. My sister's feeling better. Right. You know, she's like, you know, back in her house. But maybe Th I just, the you know. scene where he's gone back for his daughter's birthdays. Mm hmm where he's sort of like testing out the structure he's on the couch. Right. But, you know, obviously, you know, the whole time Forky and I are like, he's going to go back because he has the kids. If he didn't have the kids, like maybe, yeah. who knows? And she's like, saying, what's his name? Cleveland wants to marry her. Is his name Cleveland? Really? Is his name Cleveland? Am I wrong about this? <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> he's got some terrible. stupid name. He's Don Cleveland. Cleveland. God damn it. <laughs> That's a city in Ohio. Don, Don Cleveland. Me. <laughs> um, but no, but she's like, hey, he, wa he wants to marry me. What do you think? Why, yeah. why are you asking me this question? Um, but right, didn't you, don't you agree? You're like, there's no way he's leaving the kids. I, I thought, I you didn't thought know. he was going to end up with Louis? I kind of did. Wow. I was, yeah. I was, I felt Forky for was like, and this is actually fun. She was like, yeah. he's the prince of tides. <laughs> that he's going back. There are tides in wow. New York days like, established this. I know that, but she was like, his tide washed on it, but he's Low tide's tiding bring back. back. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. you're probably right. You know, yeah. I, I mean, again, if it was just Dan Danner, I feel like we just get a call like, hey, hurricane blew her away. Yeah. And he's like, ah, great. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Babs. Let's go to the rainbow The room. reason I thought he might stay there is because... They're, Danner's the one pushing him away. Sure. It's not like, right. oh, he's yeah. choosing to abandon his sure. kids. But yeah. then, of course, the other thing is obviously he, she has, uh, Lowenstein has helped him learn how to talk about himself. Yes. That mm -hmm. is clearly the big impediment in his marriage, we're right. told. Yeah. So now he can go back and they can have a perfect marriage. You taught him how to be a better man. Yeah. And he can see his three cute kids. Yeah. And in the book, he doesn't do that trip back. Like that, the, the Black Danner trip. character is like not is like absent for the most of the book. Oh, so like it kind of tips the hand in the movie where you're like, oh, okay, I see these cute kids, I but, see their house. Yeah. In the book, does he say like, you know, he had a nice wife? She kind of a Gwyneth Paltrow's mom vibe. <laughs> yeah. She's from book? a mill town in South Carolina in the book. I and mean, again, I feel like Blythe Danner is really like jetting in from another planet she's compared bossy. to that. She's, well, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's very beautiful. so good with these kids. And on the oh, Criterion God. disc, there's like a lot of rehearsal really footage yeah. of him with the kids because she just worked a lot on like they have to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it's all like him throwing them around. It's right. like yeah. they're always wrestling. It's just so funny to imagine James L. Brooks watching this and being like, yes, you could build an entire <laughs> movie out of Nick Nolte exclusively <laughs> talking those yeah. kids have the best southern yeah. accents in the movie I assume they're just like local Charleston kids yes. Yes. Yeah. the audition tapes are really funny too because it's like Streisand interviewing them and mostly just like asking questions about their life uh, and, and Streisand's just like when she's trying to relate to them and these kids obviously don't know who she is yeah. and they're like some of the only instances you imagine where she's able to communicate with someone who's not like too enamored with her yeah. or intimidated by her but she also has like no modern references because she's lived in a like palace for 15 years. This is what's so interesting is like what do you she's talking do? to these kids like you hear her revert back to like Brooklyn girl. Yeah. Sure. Where right. she's like, so, so what do you do? What do you do when you go to the corner? Right, right, right. What do you eat for lunch? <laughs> you playing stickball? Yeah. Oh, Barbara Streisand. I wish I could play stickball with Barbara Streisand. And She'd Crown probably Heights kick your ass. You think she plays pickleball? Now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, what's your favorite lunch? chili cart? In New York City, where do you go to get your chili? Yeah. Where do you oh, get a dog? What street those, do you go yeah. to get a bowl Man, of chili? It, are you, they are bowls of chili. They're not hot dogs. They're actual bowls of chili a that they get from that bowl cart. of chili, right? I've never yeah. seen that before in my no, life. No, I don't think I, that's a thing. I mean, it may have been more of it. There was 
I, I was also a little baffled, especially because I was drinking in the Soho Verismo. I was yes. loving it. Yeah. And then so he's like, this is the worst chili. And I'm like, well, why'd you get chili? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking a hot dog. <laughs> it, it, it's weird. It's very weird. It looked bad. Yes. Wait, right? speaking of the Soho verisimilitude, though, I, the, the party that George Carlin has at his apartment is so delightful mm -hmm. with all of those like boho people. She shows up to wearing <laughs> white on white on white. Yes. White pantyhose. I would not personally go to a downtown party <laughs> in like the early 90s. In a skirt like suit? fucking Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> I would give you 10 comedy points, but the points changed <laughs> midway through me oh, flipping. They the They've turned into an Egyptian coin. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't believe I watched every episode of Moon Knight. I can't believe Moon Knight came up in this episode. The moon makes the tides go. Yeah. That just made this a five-star episode. That show. <laughs> the Prince of Tides and the Knight of Moons. <laughs> Man, that tamer. So Lowenstein is very obviously crucial to this last part, this affair sequence. Mm -hmm. And the upstate and all that. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like she, at a certain point, she's kind of coming off as, yeah, maybe, you know, just, I'm just kind of like, Loey, you're not going to win in this, right? Yeah. Like, you're kind of, you're in, you're falling for a guy who's probably going to get tied it away. I'm feeling for her. Well, this is the other thing. When you go back to the- she's real sad when yes, it goes. The, the Streisando tourist thing, right? Her three leading men in the films that she directed, if we- Count stars born into this. I was talking about this before. Chris yes. Christopherson. Well, no, we do four. Do Mandy Patinkin? That's what I'm starting with Chris Pro, Christopherson. Pro Bridges in, though. You said three. Let's do four. Yeah, yeah. start with Chris. No, I'm doing all four. I, yeah, you said three. Chris Christopherson. Yes. I'm saying the three she directed, yeah, I'm folding stars born yeah, so in. Chris. Got it. Okay. Chris Christopherson, Mandy Patinkin, Nick Nolte, yeah. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is like a, a petite and lithe man compared to those three fire trucks, but they're all solid. <laughs> And they are, they a lot are of chest hair in that four guys arguably at their physical peak. Sure. Who were just like astonishingly good looking. Right. Patinkin obviously never left his physical peak. But yes, yes. No, they're really good looking, they're but they're different they're types. Men. They're, they're different they're types. They're like real kind of like. Right. They're not all the same. Yeah. yeah but like they're the kind of guy you rest your head on. Yes. And you, you sleep on top of that big old you chest. You sit in his lap in a chair with your leg warmers on by the fire. Yeah, normal. But all, yeah. all four of those movies have a lot of the Barbara and could you believe they found me beautiful thing, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Where there's this point in this section of the movie where it feels it shifts a little bit to like this sort of fairy tale. Yes. Like she's unlocked his trauma and now he's just perfect. She's also... And yes, the reward is, is yes. what a dream that this man fell for me. Yeah. Right. And her emotional uh, aspect comes in way more in that part of it. Right. It's like been basically absent before breaking that. Breaking her rules as well, obviously opening up to him. Right. And, you know, she's supposed to be. But she's gifted the kind of unconditional love she does not get from her husband. The yeah. attention, the ear, the compassion, the passion, all of that, you know? Absolutely. It's a big upgrade. Yeah. But it's doomed. The tides yeah. call him away. Yes. They have one last. You know, $35,000 evening at the Rainbow Room. Like, they rent out the whole Rainbow <laughs> the Room. Entire, and there's a full band there? Or at I've least, like, a good number of Rainbow musicians. Room. Even to get, like, a coffee. Like, you know, come on. It's it's a wild goodbye. Have you been to the Rainbow Room? No. Lauren never took you? Lauren never took me. I don't know. I Lucky went up there once. Out there. Yeah. They did, like, a junket or some, like, lunch or something. Like, a Peggy Siegel thing way back in the day. And, you know, they call it Makes the Rainbow sense. Room because they have these, like, prisms of Why hanging. Why hasn't done a Peggy Siegel biopic? Holy Go ahead. shit. Peggy Pat Siegel, Barbara. notorious Oscar. Uh, is is uh publicist. Is Cirque the restaurant in LA? Well, sure. 
That's sure. Arrest is that what I'm LA. thinking of? Is there Le Cirque here too? I mean, there is. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I mean, there's one in Vegas. It's there's the, one it, all, like, I'm in, sorry. It's the fucking Ivy. Well, sure. The Ivy. Oh, sure. Right. The Ivy is where Lauren Michaels takes everyone in LA for dinner. And when we were doing the Mulaney pilot, I'll tell the story very quickly. When we were doing the Mulaney pilot, he took the whole cast out to dinner. And I was just like, this is wild. I'm at like a dinner with Lauren Michaels and Elliot Gould and Martin Short and everyone at the Ivy. This feels like Hollywood or whatever. And I like didn't think about it at all for like 10 years, right? And then another friend of mine met Lauren Michaels and said like, and I think you know my friend Griffin, he was on the Mulaney pilot. And Lauren Michaels' first comment was apparently, he ordered French toast for dinner. <laughs> I took him to dinner at the Ivy. <laughs> And he ordered French toast French for dinner. <laughs> and I have no memory of this. But I, it's it's believable. It tracks, but it's weird because it doesn't. I don't. I could see it happening, Let's but I don't feel like I would often make that choice. But it does feel like something that would ping for Lorne. Ping for Lorne. That's oh. his entire association with me for the rest of time. Strategically, though, you made quite an impression. I made that's impression. True. It's a power move in that sense. That is very true. Do you think it was on the menu? Or are you like, I, I, I know it's not here, I but do you guys have French toast? I bet you well, were if like... if you ordered a French toast <laughs> off menu, I think that he is did. I think he said, move. well, do you still do the but breakfast th I'm not an all-day <laughs> breakfast guy. I usually like breakfast in the morning. It's not like that's my thing. There is no... It is literally impossible that there is French toast on a dinner <laughs> menu. Okay, well, they have French toast on... On their breakfast menu. Okay. Of course. It's $31 and it comes with a fig apricot. Well, Lauren was picking up the bill. A I wasn't looking apricot? at the fucking price. Uh, fig apricot French toast with pecan. Uh, sorry, fig apricot with pecan brioche French toast. What's Sounds a fig apricot? Or like jelly? Mm, probably. I don't fucking know. A weird oh. hybrid fruit? There's also a really famous restaurant called The Ivy in London. Okay. Uh, that's also a celebrity haunt, not related to the mm -hmm. LA. It's like exists for a hundred years. And I, when I was a teenager once, I walked up to it. Uh, and I asked the bouncer if they did take out, and he said, "Fuck off!" Oh, wow, <laughs> like Brian Cox was right there. It was Logan Roy. <laughs> I like. I was. I it was one of my few examples of being what the British would call a cheeky bugger. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. Prince of Tides. Um. Uh. What Can are we you just confirm here? the dinner menu, please? It's not on the dinner menu. Thank you. It's not. I mean, you're saying it tracks. It tracks in the sense that I would do something like not that. Not just that, but Griffin, we're talking about how many years ago at this point? Ten. So you know. I would say your tastes have somewhat matured since then. Sure. I think 10 years ago, Thank Griffin you. might be a little more like, eh, is this dipped in syrup? <laughs> like, or, I mean, although you were, you could handle yourself <laughs> at, an, at an IV in, what are we talking, 2012 or whatever. Yeah, I think it was exactly 10 years yeah. ago. I used yeah, to the syrup so must funny. have been icy cold because it was in the refrigerator because breakfast service had been done. <laughs> it was late. Hours. It was like late. It I was a late dinner. Want. Oh, but if like, like like late night menu Maybe breakfast, that goes. makes like if you're eating late. at midnight. It was, it was so late. It was 5 a.m. <laughs> Let's go to Lauren's office fucking right now. That guy ordered French toast. <laughs> I just love that being his immediate response. Subject line. Yeah. So I, Lauren. I was expecting the response was going to be, I don't remember, that name doesn't ring a bell. Sure, right. And instead is, I have never forgotten. It has haunted me. <laughs> I picked up the bill and he ordered French toast for dinner at the Ivy. I just think we now have to go to one of the fancier restaurants in New York City that does do breakfast, though, because we need it to be at least a concept. Uh-huh. And then at dinner, make the power move of being like, can we order French toast? What happens if we do that? That's a, that's our next uh, that's a power move. Patreon that's our next Patreon episode. Yeah, okay. We go to fucking, you know, per se. And we're like, do you have sure. French toast though? Um, what else do we have to 
talk to talk about. With well, their breakup at the end, things. where yeah, she really gets to pull out all the big stops, where she's you know talking about how she doesn't want him to go. Like it's yeah. it's beautiful. I it is. I've never seen the way we were, but I feel like that's like the famous ending of the way we were too, where they're standing yeah. out on a street a, corner a and being like, fest. yeah, exactly. They, they, a good movie. It really pulls it out at the end, where even if good you weren't that invested in the relationship, I feel like her heartbreak is really she doesn't palpable. get the Oscar nom. Do you think she deserved it, Griff? She kind of got. You talking for actress or for director? We'll, we'll talk okay, about you. director. Thank you. Did this film direct itself? Uh, right. But actress, she doesn't get the nom. And I think she kind of got, she was actually the target of ridicule for her performance. Yes. Maybe ridicule is too strong, but like everyone was kind of like, well, the movie Nolte is amazing and right. it's such an interesting movie, but like, you know, Dr. Lowenstein, you know, like that. Like, So do you think she even had a shot at an Oscar nom? Because it got a bunch of other Oscar noms. Yes. I mean, she. I assume she got the Globe nom for this. Wow. They didn't give her a Globe acting nom. They did not. Wow. I mean, rude little fuckers. This is the year that Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon get yeah, in for Thelma and Louise. Like that's tough. Like that's so a lot of space in Best Actress. List is those two: Gina and Susan, mm-hmm. Jodie Foster for Silence of the Lambs, good performance. Laura Dern for Rambling Rose, which is a very big performance. Yeah. She sings and stuff. And Bette Midler for The Boys, which is a very big performance. She sings. Movie I haven't seen. Bet versus Barbara. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, the Globes obviously put, um, they put, uh, let me see. Prince of Tides and Comedy? <laughs> <laughs> no. The comedy or musical? Uh, they do, I know. Yeah, they put Bet in comedy mm-hmm. or musical. But everyone else I just named is in drama. And then Annette Benning gets the nom for Bugsy mm. as the fifth. Wild. And Bugsy's, who were their other comedy nominees? Ellen Barkin in Switch. Wow. Of course. Of course. The Adam Sandler uh, remote the, control the, movie? The Blake Edwards. No, that's No, that's Blake. the, she, it, Jimmy Smith's, no, it's, who plays the man? It, it is uh, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith plays her love interest. A man wakes up in Ellen Barkin's body and then oh. falls in love with Jimmy Smith. Oh, fuck. I think is the premise of that movie. Oh, sure. Tony Roberts, maybe? I don't maybe. know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ellen Barkin in Switch, Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes, Michelle Pfeiffer in Frankie and Johnny, which previously mm-hmm. mentioned, and a great nom, Angelica Houston in The Addams Family. Wow. Oh, um, yeah. And Kathy Bates for Fried Green Tomatoes is also great because Tandy game. gets in the Oscars Support. and you're like, eh, yeah, okay. Um, well, that was just a Miss Daisy yes, afterwash. Yes, Halo yeah. right. thing. Um, but uh, afterwash, that's not a word. <laughs> um, um, but do we have to, we have to talk box office and Oscars, but mm-hmm. is there anything left in the Prince of Tides we need to mention? I, no, I think way we were is an analog for what she's trying to replicate here to a degree while doing other things. I think she knows that's a thing she can sell that makes this movie accessible in a mainstream way. Right, and, and it needs to send you, him out. It sends you that. out with a big feeling, which yeah. you need. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like their relationship comes so late and is wrapped up so quickly. Yes. Because it's just kind of like at the Rainbow Room, he's like, by the way, I haven't told you her four conversations I've had with Blythe dinner over the phone <laughs> you know like the movie's working at a very specific pace of things being like dealt out one bit of information at a time yeah and then suddenly as you said there's like this two-month lost weekend that's compressed and then you find out like oh by the way he's been reigniting a thing over here i was a little stunned when i like hit the status button on my remote and went like oh this thing's five minutes away from right. ending yeah. right but you both are kind of like this thing needs to end and how could it possibly end, though? Yes. We're just starting a new tale here. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe she should have bifurcated it. Two-part Prince of Tides? The Prince. Right. Part two of Tides. 
That's definitely tides go in, how tides go, go out. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah, you call one movie tide go in, and you all the call the yeah, other no. movie tide high tide, tide low tide. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Then you got time for the tiger. Then you could fit the tiger in. The Prince of Tigers. Exactly. <laughs> could have a whole sequence where Jason Gould, you know, plays varsity basketball, football, yeah. whatever. He comes an MMA fight. <laughs> the toughest man in the world who well, hates playing music. Well, you do that to Seed Warrior too. I think that moment's really nice when he the, makes the, him play and yes. Nolte says, if I could play like that, I'd never pick up a football in my life. And Gould says, why, why do I have to choose? I love that scene. As absurd as it is, absurd. just as a New Yorker to watch people play violin in front of a train station yeah. platform where you're like, get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a lovely... Gotta get to run they, they have a... <laughs> they have a genuinely lovely, like, relationship yeah. in this movie. Yeah. As ridiculous as that plot is. No, once again, I was like, I was ready for the plot line to be you have to toughen him up and I was very pleasantly surprised by what it ends up being. Make the sequel at Tanglewood. Ben? Yes. I love the derisive. A lot of Tanglewood. <laughs> if you want Tanglewood content this year, to bring it yeah. back to Maestro, you know. The way the father talks about Tanglewood. It sounds like military camp. Right. It's the flip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, you have to go to Tanglewood. I'm going to send you to Tanglewood where you'll learn how to really make people cry. <laughs> By the way, Metro North doesn't go to fucking Tanglewood. Uh, ben, any more thoughts on Prince of Tides before I give you the Oscars? I'm going to give you the Oscars. Um, We're going to hand you a bunch of Oscars. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. For what? Oh, Coolest we'll dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New category. No. Okay. Uh, so, yes, this film was nominated for various Oscars, mm -hmm. winning zero, right? No Oscar wins. It yes. wins zero. Yes. It was nominated for seven Oscars, but Streisand was passed over for Best Directress. Um, I'm joking. That's what, but that's what we called it back then, as Best um, Directress. And, uh, you know, Crystal says, well, what did the movie direct itself now? Oh, no, he, he sings it. He sings it. You're mm -hmm. not going to sing it? No, I'm not. He Do sings it to, to the tune it? of Evergreen? To the tune of uh, um, Nobody's Gonna Rain in My Parade. Right, right. Um, he had already made that comment for Driving Miss Daisy. Now this oh, Crystal himself did. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, with two years prior. Which at that point was the rare Best Picture winner Maybe without a nomination. Like only yeah. one or whatever. This one. comes in the middle of a run that Columbia Pictures specifically had three consecutive years where it was Awakenings, This, and A Few Good Men. Three Best Picture... Nominees and driving Miss Daisy, right? As well, isn't that that's all? Warner Brothers? Okay, fine. It was three Columbia's. It's the fucking one. No, yes, I know. Columbia issued a statement yes. being like, I guess these movies directed themselves. We have this particular problem. Well, and Penny right. Marshall and Barbara Streisand kind of gives you the sexism. And Rob Reiner. But it's also, yes, the double sexism, that's but it's it. fascinating that it's three people who are like beloved within Hollywood. Yeah. Beloved and Jewish actors turned yes, directors. Yeah. Which is why they got passed over. Hugely two of them are women. Well, but it's at but the same time that Costner's running around. So, yep. like, the actor turned director thing isn't consistent. Do you want to try and stop Costner running around? You should tackle that guy. <laughs> he made two movies in the desert. But, right. Like, no, within this 10 year period, Costner, Clint, Redford, Beatty yeah. all yes. win director. But, but, can you tell me the five nominees for best director? Yes, because I looked it up. This is the Okay. Rub. So it's Oliver Stone, JFK. Yes, a best picture nominee. It, Levinson for Bugsy That's is the one. The one That's the, the one you bought. But obviously, that was a Best Picture nominee. Keep Demi going. Demi Sounds the Lambs, who wins, deservedly. Yes. And then two subs. Right. So one for Beauty and the Beast and one for Prince of Tides. Right. The Beauty and the Beast one is like, the, well, they're obviously not That's ready not to nominate animation. Right. Um, okay. So then the other two this year, and I looked it up. One's Ridley. Yep. Ridley Scott for Thelma and Louise, a baffling Best Picture snub. Like, is that his yes. first nomination? No. Maybe, yes. I can't remember. In a certain way, it would have been less surprising if they had done the opposite. 
Yeah. If Thelma had gotten the Best Picture nomination and Barbara had gotten the Director nomination. Yes. I guess so, but like, obviously Ridley deserves that nom. Thelma not getting the Best Picture nomination is confusing. It got a ton of Oscar nominations and it was his first nom. One screenplay. And it won screenplay. Like, it yeah. was clearly Well, it gets in knocked out by Beauty and the Beast. No, like, that's the swap, right? Or fucking Bugsy, which yeah. is actively awful, but whatever. Yeah, Bugsy is one of those Like movies. a big Tony costume. Right. Right. Piece. It yeah. acted so much like an Oscar movie that people were like, we're supposed to take this seriously, uh -huh. right? That's Who's the other nominee? The other one is... It's the youngest nominee oh, in this category Singleton. ever. Yeah. It's John yes. Singleton for Boys in right. the Hood. So I'm like, Billy, you want to go out there? I hate, I hate it when people say that shit. Because I'm like, there's five nominees. Yeah. Tell me who's not getting the nomination. Yeah. And if Billy wanted to go up there and be like, honestly, Levinson phoned it in, right. then I'm like, all right, Billy. <laughs> yes. But if you're going to go up there in the year they first nominated a black man for best director yes. and be like, I guess, you know, Prince of Tides directed itself. I'm like, of course, the Prince of Tides gets knocked off. That is a marginal best picture contender. I agree like, it's with you. It's clear that that was fourth or fifth. I in agree the with you. Spots, but the narrative right? that is forming at the time is Lena Wertmuller is the only female best yes. director nominee. Yes. Right. And she's a foreign director. Barbara Streisand is like the queen of Hollywood in some ways. She's a queen of America. Sure. Of She's a queen of showbiz. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, Yentl, she gets the Golden Globe win, which Golden Globes mean yeah, nothing. They love a Barbara But it too. did right. feel yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was this like signal of like, we are going to push this notion that she's taken seriously as a director and then she was snubbed for the director nomination. Well, Yentl didn't get you know, didn't get any major nom. Get one of course, major nom. But then this right. movie's coming out with the like Barbara's really wanting she to prove herself. So I think it felt like more of a deliberate snub than just she didn't make the cut because, because it's something she so visibly wanted. Yes. Yeah, do you think it's partly that the like don't they did the same think thing with we Bradley take you seriously? Too, by the 100%. way, yeah. it's what they did to Bradley, and yes. uh -huh. they've done it to various other people. They ran on your think, parade. They, you know what. They don't think, yeah, don't think you're so special just because you, you know, directed a movie we like. Yeah. We know you're not a director. Yeah. Like, right. is sort of the implication, it's, I guess. It's just funny that this is in the same period where, as we said, like four A-list leading men all score best director, best picture wins. You mean Redford, yeah. Costner. Or, or I guess uh, Beatty doesn't win picture, but yes. Redford, yeah. Costner, Beatty. Eastwood, Eastwood, Beatty. Eastwood, yeah. The Eastwood. And Gibson's right around the corner. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, what? so in 15 years, yeah. no, it five was a hot trend. huge yeah. leading man. And none of them are as famous as Barbara Streisand, really. No, and all I mean, of all them, I mean, like Beatty, Redford, certainly both have the reputation of being as like obsessive, controlling. They're creative forces, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, sort of similar to Streisand. They Costner as well. But once the movies that came out. Chill. That guy is Chill. Once the movies came out, it's people were like, book. we take back our criticisms. A little bit. Right? Uh-huh. We it, thought it, these guys were insane control freaks and egomaniacs, Dances but the movies and Braveheart are also both kind of like, you know, nobody believed in you type things, right? Yeah. Where it's like these were seen as follies. Right. Um, but also Prince yeah. of Tides is like a women's picture. Kind of, true. and that's not disrespected. what Braveheart and Dances with Wolves totally. or Silence of the Lambs are, really, although yes. well, Silence of the Lambs Thelma and Louise getting snubbed out of Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Fried Green Tomatoes getting, I mean, got a couple now. Right. You know, like, there are other films with, about women, right? That instead, the they're like, make room for Bugsy! No, but that's a good point. Like, you're like, Fried Green Have Tomatoes. Have you seen Bugsy or I'm the only person? Are you guys going to do a Levinson series and catch up with this stuff? I, think uh, I guess if we yeah, did Levinson, so many gems. Be when you have to watch Bugsy, which is a... A chore of a but film. But Silence of the Lambs and Thelma and Louise both being like, quote unquote, women's pictures through a certain lens, mm -hmm. right? 
uh, but both directed by Manfred Green and Tomatoes is directed by Herbert Ross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, must I mean, been, Rambling Rose must have been is a fried green tomato himself. Interesting <laughs> women's picture adjacent kind of thing. It's, it's a strange year. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's just do the box office game, Katie. How late are you for this thing? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. Christmas 1991, Griffin. Mm -hmm. Prince of Tides is opening to a robust $15 million. It ends up making 70? 75. Very good. Hey. Not seeing an international number here. Maybe the tides didn't spread across the world. International number somewhere. Yeah, maybe a failing of the numbers. I can enough. imagine this being something that doesn't translate it great overseas. Huge overseas. I'm sure it was released overseas. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's got tides in it. I mean, seas. Tides are huge. Um, but uh, it's opening number four, Griffin. <laughs> tides, seas. It made 61 overseas okay. for 135 total. Money is wow. made. The movie yeah. cost yeah. $27 million yeah. to make. Streisand proud that it came in under budget because mm -hmm. well, I think Yentl went slightly over budget. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Yentl is like ten times the scale of this thing, really. With all Yentl, these, like, yeah, Yentl, you know, Eastern European villages, yeah, um, and Patinkin too. Lighting that man, it's a yeah. Herculean effort. Yeah, but manscaping oh, the results you get. <laughs> no, that's impossible. <laughs> that is a true tide. You cannot keep that. <laughs> I I shaved the man and it just grew back the second I did it. That beard grows in one minute. One minute. Um, number one at the box office is a family film from a gigantic director that made a lot of money but was perceived at the time as a big flop. Hook? Hook. Mm. Uh, you guys never did Hook, right? Because you started Spielberg yeah. after. One day we'll do it. We'll, and yeah. we'll both be like, it's mid. And everyone yeah, will yell everyone at us. Everyone will yell at us. Because uh, now Hook is seen as look, one of the four or five best movies ever made. The, yeah. the Hook tide can turn again. I it's it's going to go back and like forth. like I'm going insane every time I have the Hook conversation. I feel like I'm going insane every time I watch Hook. Yes. And I see those sets and, I'm, and I see Hoffman. Right. And I'm like, man, I, I'm so excited for this movie. And then it's right. two and a half hours of Spielberg like crying at me about like how he could be a better dad. And I'm like, entertain me. I know. And I'm like, you're good at it. I know you are. Why do we agree with our parents where everyone else of our generation <laughs> fell for it? Right. Right. Because there are a lot of those movies I fell for and I hold a lot of nostalgia for still. And Hook cost us $70 million is what I'm reading here on Wikipedia. It, well, because he built these sets. The sets are incredible in yeah. that movie. That's, it's beautiful gowns. <laughs> You're like, great sets. Incredible <laughs> set. Uh, Hook is number one. Number two, the true family hit of the year. A best picture nominee. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Good. Good movie. Mm. How do you feel about it? Oh, masterpiece. Do your kids like it? We have not. It's we haven't. It's kind of scary. Yeah, we haven't done princesses a ton. I have boys, obviously. Yeah. I feel like we should go back to it. I did back I with- I loved that movie when I was a kid, though. I was very into it. Yeah, ha well, it's kind of like scary and fun. You have know? you not been doing classic Disney much at all, or just it's not the princess one? Some classic Disney, but like again, they have like, so Disney Plus gives them total control over watching mm. whatever they want. So they watch Bluey, which I, I love Bluey. I'm sure. not going to say anything bad about it, but- Bluey's the best. Yeah, I want to like go see some of these in the big screen and be like, you were going to watch this thing. J Jungle yeah. Book, Robin Hood. As the, like as those like the boy movies to, so. to go with, yeah. yeah. Robin Hood's been high on the list actually because I think they would really like it. Robin Hood's so good. Yeah. Um, this is I want to point out. Sorry, just to, one more shout out to mm -hmm. James Newton Howard. It's his first Oscar nomination is yep. for composing this film. Uh, he says Barbara, sweetheart, but quite blunt. If you're thin skinned, not easy to take. And Barbara says like she is guilty sometimes of like sitting in a scoring session and being like, no, oboe there. You know, like literally like <laughs> noting it to oh, that level of I want to say this before I forget. Sorry. Thank you for reminding me very quickly. Um, she she wrote the song for this movie. Yes. Lyrics to the, the James Newton Howard sort of main theme yes. of this film. 
and uh, Columbia was like, you fucking put it at. Yeah, you wrote a song. You performed. Yeah, come on. That money in the bank. Yeah. And she was like, A, it felt a little like we're going to make you sing for a supper. We only let you make this movie if you do a song. song and she's yeah. like, I want to be taken seriously as a director and not have the song be the thing. But the other thing she said was like, I, I watched the movie and I was like, it's his story. Right. There's and no if, place for me to be singing. And his narration yeah. ends the film. And if it's immediately then followed by me singing, it feels like it takes it back to my voice a little, which I don't want. And so I'm watching this on the Criterion with her commentary. And there's the version where you, you can see the when cut. When you're listening to commentary like this? Yes. That's how she I'm doing We are the world style microphones under the chin. Under hair. Yeah. Yes. Um, but they have, you can watch the version of it where the, the end credits have her song over it. Has a song? And she's saying, the song's good. And she's saying, like, I just really felt the st it's his story. You don't need me here. And that's happening sandwiched directly in between the last two lines of the movie being him saying, Lowenstein, <laughs> Lowenstein. And then giant, directed by Barbara Streisand. Barbara. Yes. It's just, it's the whole it just balance. One, it just says Barbara. It doesn't even <laughs> yeah. say her last name. Babs. <laughs> it's the whole tug of war encapsulated in one moment where she's like, this isn't about me. But and it's sandwiched in between. Right, she's right, but also. Yeah. I also have to mention the notorious trivia fact that I'm sure is true that when NBC broadcast this movie in 1995, Barbara called the network mid-movie and was like, the commercials are too loud. Can you lower them? And they did. <laughs> and they did. Of course they did. It's Barbara. It's Barbara. It's incredible. Number three at the box office, Griffin. It's a family comedy. It's a remake. Families are eaten at Christmas in 1991. Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride with Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Diane Keaton. Yeah. And a little Martin Short. Yeah. What's going on? Great time for gay representation in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. And Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin. Yeah. And Kimberly Williams, I want to say. I can't Kimberly remember the Williams name. Paisley. Oh, did she marry a Paisley? I think she married Barry. I think that Paisley. Did she put on the Paisley? Sound correct. Yeah, it is Kimberly uh, Williams. In a very famous house, people love that house. Great house, a Nancy house. Number four, Prince of Tides. Number five, a family comedy. Just kidding. This movie is lurid and violent. <laughs> okay. And foul mouth. It's a Cape Fear. No, it is a Violet action comedy. It's an action comedy. A buddy film. We it's could cover it film. one day. We could part cover of a long, notorious filmography from a great director. Part but an one. action director. An action director. It's not a it's not a franchise picture. It gets nope. sequels. No, it's a no. one-off. My guess is they were hoping for a sequel and it wasn't quite as big a hit. Kind of a famous like cable movie. It's not Tango and Cash. No, but you're in, I'm the, in right the right zone. ballpark. There's a buddy picture? Buddy picture. Action comedy. I'm in the right ballpark. They say fuck like 80 million times in this movie. It's like the most fucks. Yeah. It's like one of those fuck movies, you know? They just keep saying it. Is one of the guys... Ben probably loved it then and probably now. Who's the distributor? Ah, uh, the distributor's the great people at Warner Brothers. Great people at Warner Brothers. They say fuck a lot. But Joel Silver had a hand in producing, it's Joel if you've heard Silver. of Silver. It's not Last Boy Scout? It's the Last, it's Boy, last Scout. Boy Scout. Have you seen I've the last? I've never seen <gasps> Last Boy Scout. Wow. That is surprising to me. That's a real bad boy movie. A lot. Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans. Have you seen The Last oh, Boy Scout? Oh, it's Tony Black. Scott. Tony no, Scott I have film. not. Yeah. Hey, there's a football on the poster, so someone. Oh yeah, because he, he was a football player. Yeah. No one's a boy scout. Is what you're saying? Huh? No one's a boy scout in this movie. I can't remember. I've seen it like three times, and I can't remember. <laughs> they are all shooting and yelling. Yeah. Um, number six, JFK. Obviously, sort of the best picture frontrunner that year. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Silence winning is sort of surprising, but then also because it not. was it was surging at quote unquote the right time. Right. Yeah. But yeah. then everyone's like, is it too crazy? Sure. Number seven, Star Trek six. Great film, mm -hmm. Undiscovered Country. 
Uh, number eight, The Addams Family. Great. Was perform- that a holiday? Was it a, a Halloween It's release? like a Thanksgiving movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. Both, both of them are Thanksgiving pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel's better. Yeah. By far. Undeniably. But uh, the no, first one rules. It's well acted. It's fun. It's good. I, I think just it's also the, I think incredibly well directed. It is. It looks incredible. Yeah. Number nine is Bugsy, which is a piece of shit. <laughs> Number ten. It really sucks. <laughs> I watched it out of some obligatory and I was like, ugh. I think it's the most tobaccoian of all Levinson pictures, though. <laughs> yeah, to its detriment. <laughs> Number ten, my girl. TikTok tried to serve me up a clip from My Girl recently, and I was like, oh, get it, it away it from is me. The I'm movie My crying. Girl. Yeah, My Girl. That was a Christmas release? That's such a summer uh, movie. It was also Thanksgiving, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a movie me. I've seen. I heard uh, Parent Trap was uh, released on TikTok. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. The one, yeah. yeah. But still. But I like so how good. Paramount's acting like it's Impressive. like, oh, we released it. I'm like, have you checked TikTok? It was already there. Every movie is available on TikTok in like, 40 parts or whatever. Like, that's just what TikTok I realize has. what this makes me sound like. People watch movies like that? No, but TikTok will just be like, hey, you, two minutes of Sully? You interested? And you're kind of <laughs> like... And you're like, absolutely. I'm doing yes. Sims. I'm going <laughs> like, watch Sully. This is why I'm not fucking downloading TikTok But ever. so it's the, ne- it's the current equivalent of turn on TBS being like, oh, we're halfway through Midnight Run. I guess okay. so, but like in, in an insane way. Like it's cooking everyone's brains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it is two minutes of Sully and you're like... I'll scrap it. That's a, I never felt the draw of TikTok <laughs> until you told me that Sully is on TikTok. I honestly, TikTok finally learned my brain and was like, it's time for you to watch two minutes of Captain Phillips right TikTok now. TikTok always sounded silly to me, but you're telling me TikTok is saying, can we get serious now? It's trying to get serious. It's the only way you can watch Sully, so you better go for I it. Know. They keep on taking away ways for us to watch Sully. Government's taking our <laughs> Sully away. David, what else is in the box office? I just read the top 10. That's okay. the entirety. No, that's it. The, the, read the, the top numbers 10, has nothing you more. picking your nose. There's nothing left to I say. I was scratching my you nose. got in there deep. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. You picked the winner. I think I saw a pick. I saw a pick. <laughs> you saw a pick? I think I saw a pick. <laughs> Goodness. I, was just... I saw it didn't. It wasn't you're doing the thumb on the bottom. I think I, I, really I saw a pointer picked, finger. I really picked my nose I a saw long a time. pointer finger way up there. You haven't picked your nose no. in a long time. What no. are you, what are you You've doing picked the your of your nose home? before? Yeah. Uh, wait a <laughs> second. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I haven't had a real Does your daughter nose not pick in. her nose? I mean, she's always up to stuff. You yeah. don't get jealous? <laughs> <laughs> Watching her have a ball? Nostalgic. She still has such a We're tiny toddler nose. Yeah, they're really hard to get anything about. I'm not saying are you jealous you want to pick her nose. I'm saying pick your own nose. <laughs> no, I mean, I've sucked snot out of her well, nose. Okay. Which is, which is an insane it's, it's one, thing you, you have to do. one of those contraptions. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't like it. Do you yeah. know about this, Griffin? I don't want to know about this. There is something All parents do this. There now. is something satisfying where you're like, damn, there was a lot in there. Because mm-hmm. they can't blow their nose. They literally mm-hmm. like it's like stealing gas, like siphoning gas, <laughs> it's but it's not. Like you make it sound really cool when yeah, you put it that like way. It. They don't like it at all. <laughs> I, I don't like it at all. No, you would actually probably like it. People like adults probably basically like pay spas to do that for like lots of money. Sure, I like, like irrigate my ass. There's Let's probably a TikTok it. channel about right. it. We can be like, how much yeah. snot comes it's out of the nose? Actually fucking huge on TikTok, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not talk. Mm-hmm. All right, Katie, tides done. You're the best. I'm so happy to be back in this. Oh, room I know. With you guys. Wait, you, you're on a whirlwind New York trip to see every single Oscar I'm contender. Seeing Maestro plus others. I'm going to go see all of the strangers right after this. Okay. Th- this is. I'm mixed on that one. Yep. This is. Appearance number seven, Ooh. eight? Yeah, seven or eight would be my guy. I forgot Starman at the beginning of this, so Six I'm not sense. trustworthy. Mm-hmm. 
We said Sleepless Yell, Starman, Death Becomes Her. Those are all the COVID ones. Collateral. collateral. Seven. So this is Titanic. Eight. This is eight. Titanic. Unless Titanic you're counting Titanic. Titanic. Titanic is one? Yes. Okay. But then this still is eight. her eighth appearance. Wow. Richard Lawson's always going to have me beat, but I'm, you know, I talked, I podcast with him more often than you guys do. So well, I have that going for Lawson me. until Katie Madison. <laughs> Lawson band. <laughs> Note taken. Sorry. Sorry, Richard. Full band. Lost in Shadow band. <laughs> Quickly here at the end, just want to say this movie deals with um, suicide and self-harm and just want to say to listeners out there that you should talk to someone if you have any kind of plans to harm yourself. That's true. Yeah, we hear Blank Check are uh, very big proponents of therapy. I think yeah, that's not a thing there, we hide. There are people you can reach out There's to. There's a hotline feel, if absolutely. you're ever feeling in a moment where you just are desperate um, and... Um, it's um, it's okay to feel depressed and uh, people uh, want you around. Yeah, yeah. And once again, if you haven't gotten that from uh, listening to this show over the years, uh, Blank Check uh, relates to depression. Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that quickly at the end. Katie, thank you for being here. Is there anything you want to plug? I'm on Little Gold Men talking about award season. I guess when this comes Look out, on. it's going to be like the craziest. Uh, yeah. January end is going to be. Jan. Okay. All right. So we've gotten through the Emmys, Golden Globes, Critics' Choice Awards chaos yeah. of early January, which let's is going to be terrible. Let's not even watch the Emmys. Um, and then I always. Oh, make, the Emmys is the one you don't want to watch? <laughs> uh, I always make fun of David Ehrlich, who never plugs our podcast uh, when he comes on the show. So Fighting in the War Room, also much more freewheeling, uh, all topics uh, on the table podcast that I do as well. And I'm on Vanity Fair most of the time. The best in the best. I'm hungry. You are the best in the best, Katie. I love you so much. I'm so happy to David's be here. David's eating goldfish? Ooh. Sometimes you steal your toddler's snacks because <laughs> you're hungry. Nothing wrong with the goldfish. Oh, well, well. And, and Charlie's Choice remains on, those, uh, on the table anytime. But I well, imagine wants it fluctuates constantly. I mean, listen, like, movie. I have not been told if a top 10 is going to be requested this year. He might start his own Patreon where he can submit his own top 10 yeah. and people if, can look, put down a couple bucks. If he wants to hold on to the content, Himself Look, for his own paywall, but we will always accept a Charlie top 10 on this. Yeah, show. I mean, he went to Barbie. He's, He's seen, yeah, I mean, this year has like last year's Avatars was like a really good, like, we both like the same movies right. time, but Ninja Turtles was good. Mm -hmm. Is, what, do you think that's his top of the year so far? I'd have to, I should have asked him before I got here. It's probably up there. We saw that one twice, kind of by accident. But there's not a clear cut in the way that like Sing and Avatar have no. dominated so previous years. Fucking chef no, honestly, that. it's probably the Mario Brothers movie. Well, obviously, it's that. Yeah, like yeah. that's the movie of the year in our house. We got to do better for our children. <laughs> we really, that's my takeaway on that. We owe <laughs> well, them. Well, no one think of the children. Like it's fine for kids to have a dumb movie to enjoy. But I yeah, agree. I wish Mario was just like, 20% better. It's also 90 minutes long. It is. Did you hear that? Oh, I heard it. Believe Big fan me. of that. Yeah, but Ninja I, Turtles, it's good. Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles is good. That's the one that, that's right by the kids. Yeah. yeah, and the Sound of Freedom. There's a lot of good kids <laughs> this year. <laughs> the Nun 2. <laughs> Nun 2 quietly crushing, by the way. Yeah. Nun 2 is going to like triple the gross of Exorcist. Uh, yeah, although yeah. off a lot from Nun 1. Okay, fair enough. It's the right, oldest you know news to discuss by the time this episode comes out. You know what? Yeah. All right, none. We ain't scared of you. Yeah. Okay? Big drop so if you want to haunt the studio, we are cool with that. Yeah. Mm, I'm, I don't support that. Uh, tune in next week for Mirror Has Two Faces with our guest, The Nun. <laughs> Specifically, The Nun from The Nun 2? Yeah. Is there a different nun in I Nun 1? I think it's I the same know. actress. Maybe she updated her look. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to promote the show. Thank you to AJ McCann, Alex Barron for our editing. 
J.J. Birch for our research. Lay Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. Pat Reynolds, Joe Bowen for our artwork. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including Blank Check special features of Patreon where we do commentaries on film series, Hollywood film series. And we're doing the Terminators now. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're doing all the Terminators. We're yep. visiting the first two Camerons and doing those wildly Judgment successful, consistent Terminator sequels. Right. Just a clean franchise. All right, all right, all right. Wrap us up. Tune in next the week for Mirror Has Two Places with the Nun. And as always. Mm-hmm. My favorite film of the year was Mario 2. I like when King Koopa is hitting the mushrooms and collecting coins and stomping on Goombas. Have you seen Mario? Okay. We are we ready? Yes. Yes. Whenever you want. Okay. Let's see if my head cold helps me. Well, it's gonna help. This. It's gonna make help. you sound that's more huge. like Nick Nolte. I think exactly. that's important. Yeah. Barbara Streisand. What do you mean? Well, you, are you gonna <laughs> other than your cell phone? Are you gonna hold something? You have any kind of business you're gonna do with your hands while you're delivering this quote? Throwing stuff. And yeah, throwing stuff. Getting up, <laughs> grabbing cigarettes constantly. Yeah. We should all grab cigarettes. Do you have a dictionary constantly. on hand that you can just be reading? Yes. Just you know, we read the dictionary in our offices I all the like time. Props. Give <laughs> <laughs> me something to do with my hands. <laughs> okay, ready. I gotta make it younger. I'm doing like Hulk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got. I got to scale it back. Scale it back ten, back ten years. years. Okay, ready.